Judah and Matthew are dumpster people, and they occasionally use foul and inappropriate language. Listen at your own risk. Welcome to Brother Date. I'm Matthew. I'm Judah. Uh, it's a Star Treks. It's Star Treks Volume Forty Three. Yeah, the ridiculous project where two idiot clowns do uh, an episode by episode analysis. I guess I should say an episode versus episode analysis of all five of the dumb Star Trek series that have completed. Yep, this week we answer the important and popular question. Of all of the 43rd episodes of each Star Trek series, which was the best? It's a, it's as appropriate a way to rate these as any. Yeah, uh, I think it's fine. The thing is, since we're rating them on a rubric, there's no need for me to break this down at this point, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, there's yeah. no one whose first episode of this is episode 43. No, even uh, What's-Her-Name is, uh, is going back and forth between a bunch of them, so... Yeah, the only the only thing that this uh that that this does is uh it gives you weak winners. So if you throw that statistic out, everything else is it doesn't matter how we do it. Can I right? paint a word picture for you? Right oh, now? please. I, I wish you would. I'm sitting Indian style in mm. my office chair. Oh, we don't call it that anymore. Uh Native American style. No, it's called crisscross applesauce. Um I'm I've mounted my seat like a Turk. Okay. <laughs> and um, I have a Trader Joe's gallon of iced tea that I'm drinking. Damn. Unsweetened? Unsweetened. Kettle brewed unsweetened black tea. All right. And um, I'm wearing a shirt that says, uh, I'll say sorry, but I'm not I'm taking well. off my sunglasses. I know this shirt well. It's one of my favorite of your shirts. So does everyone, if everyone at home is ready to go, we can get started. I just wanted to let everyone know what was going on over here at Fort Nasty. Yeah. What's the, uh, we've, we're having a little bit of an Indian summer here. Uh-huh. We can't say uh, that anymore. It's been up in the high 80s. Can't say, <clears throat> can't say that anymore. Sorry, we're having a little bit of a crisscross applesauce summer here. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it's been, been in the high 80s. It may have even hit 90 one day this week. Uh, any, any better over there in Nashville? How's late September treating you? Uh, I believe right now it is 64. The way we run this project is we go from uh, last week's fifth place to last week's first place. So we're starting with Voyager. Hmm. And uh, this week we watched Flashback. This is going to be a totally um, meaningful episode in the canon, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Tuvok's breakfast is ruined by a power surge as Voyager prepares to use ceruleum, a gas they are finding in this nebula, as an additional power source. And it has so many uses. Mm. They they roll up on a Class 17 nebula. It's it's purple. 
Those it's look a like nebula. they look like class 11s, but they're not the same. Yeah, it looks a lot like a class 11 nebula we might learn later. Uh and Tuvok becomes pretty seriously ill. He starts shaking and hearing voices. He uh makes his way to sick bay but has a hallucination about a little girl falling off of a cliff and he uh he basically collapses in sick bay. Uh Shmolus can think of a few reasons this might have happened, but he doesn't have like a good idea about it, so he uh he puts a monitor on Tuvok's neck and lets him leave. And uh Tuvok goes right to his quarters to uh play with blocks. Yep. To, so to he does a Vulcan Jenga. A fancy Vulcan meditation where he builds a castle, but like he doesn't have enough crenellation blocks. Mm. And so it's like, I guess I'll just put these on one of the towers anyway. He keeps losing all the plastic balls under the fridge for the can- for the catapults. Yep. <laughs> we could do a whole fucking hour on that game. Um, Kes arrives because his monitor needs adjusting or whatever. And she asks him about his blocks and he tells her about meditation. And uh, he's a little shaken up by the whole thing. So Chakotay extends a an olive branch to his old enemy Tuvok mm. with the sage advice. Don't think about it, man. Yep. <laughs> Just don't worry about it. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen. Right. Um, so he gets to engineering. He's just doing his job now, trying to, trying to forget about this goddamn dream he had. He gets to engineering. Uh, and he starts asking a bunch of weird questions like, Maybe we should do a tachyon sweep for cloaked ships because we're mad close to Klingon space. Yeah. And everyone's like, I'm sorry, what? Nobody played along at all to mess with him. No. That's a good no, idea, I'm, Tuvok. We, uh, thanks. That's good thinking. Not one Maki Ensign was like, uh, scanning for cloaked ships now. <laughs> beep, beep, boop. Beep, oh, beep, God, beep, they're beep, everywhere. <laughs> we're, we're surrounded. Um,. But he sees the nebula again on a monitor in engineering, and he gets the cliffhanger vision again. Mm. And now Schmollis has a theory. Okay. And his theory is that this is a repressed memory. Mm. Which, because Duvok is a Vulcan, could kill him, maybe. Sure, that makes sense physiologically. We know that about the Vulcans. Repressed memories yeah. are killers. Usually, By the way, the way you, the Vulcans... you, you can guess how excited I was at this point about this episode. Yeah. Well, you had seen this one before and knew what it was. I had not, so I was like, oh, with oh, this. Uh, usually they cure this by just doing a mind meld with a family member. So, I don't know. I feel like we just learned a few weeks ago that not that many Vulcans can do a mind meld, but maybe that was a lie? Yeah, uh, what Enterprise does with the mind meld is, um, well, it's their own business. I don't think we should have to think about it. Anyway, uh, Tuvok doesn't have any family on board, so he picks Janeway. Mm. So they do this damn thing, and uh, they expect to, to show up at that precipice with that girl, but instead, they're on the dang old Excelsior. They're on Captain Sulu's Excelsior from Star Trek VI. With a very dramatic Sulu reveal. And it's during... Yeah, he comes right out of a fucking cloud of smoke. Just a wild fucking Sulu close-up reveal. And it's during the events of Star Trek VI. Yeah. So, Tuvok doesn't have a good explanation for why they're here, but he's like, this was my first deep space assignment 80 years ago. We're in the middle of fighting the Klingons. 
smash cut to three days earlier and Tuvok's being a brown noser and making tea for Sulu. Mm. And, oh, they're rolling up on a gaseous anomaly. So, uh, that's fine. It's all good. Sulu wants Tuvok to lighten the fuck up and they have a little scene where Janeway's like, hey, this isn't in your service record, which is idiotic. That's Yes, what is his service record? Why wouldn't it? Anyway, he says this was from his first Starfleet career. Mm-hmm. He's got two files. So, the first one's Praxis- under the first one's under two Vork. It was just a it's an error. <laughs> um, Praxis explodes. We see a reenactment of the scene from Star Trek Six. Don't tell me that was any meteor shower. And then we sort of get some backstory on what the Excelsior was doing the whole time, but we weren't paying attention to him in that movie. Which it turns uh, out is uh, also wild. It's pretty wild stuff. Yeah. Like, uh, they're going to... Uh, Sulu's going to go rescue Kirk and McCoy. Tuvok objects because he's a nerd. Mm-hmm. Uh, they get to the Azure Nebula. Yeah. Uh, and it looks like the one from the Delta Quadrant. Right. And this causes Tuvok to freak out so bad that the mind melt's broken. Yeah. So, while Tuvok rests up, uh, Janeway and Kim talk about this, and they're like, the, it turns out the this is a Class Eleven Nebula, as Matt foreshadowed. Mm-hmm. The only connection is they look kind of the same, and they both have a little bit of that ceruleum in them. Right. Um, none of this explains this dumb hallucination about the girl. Yes, so, Janeway keeps going, huh, okay, but what does this have to do with that girl? That's why I'm here. I'm not here to fucking play around on the excelsior right um but we also do learn in this scene that uh sulu kept uh kept this one out of the ship's log <laughs> he just didn't 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 put this one in the ship's log that's a trick he probably learned from kirk yeah and uh they do a little reminiscing about how it was the wild west these officers wouldn't make it in today's starfleet but etc 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 Anyway, uh, they go back into this mind melt, and they're back in the battle, and then they're in a conversation Tuvok has with uh, with old Valtain, his bunkmate, right. and he, Tuvok's talking about how he's going to resign his commission, and Janeway and Tuvok talk about his history on Vulcan, and what made him go back to Starfleet, and... Anyway, at this point, the battle starts again, and uh, now we see Dangle Kang. Yeah. We just saw this old boy on Deep Space Nine, and here he's younger, and he's in his Katinga, or whatever. Yep. And he's fucking popping right out of the Azure Nebula, and uh, Sulu pretends he was lost and agrees to be escorted out of the Nebula, and then they blow up the Cerulean in the Nebula to disable the ship and make a run for... Uh, I guess Rura Pente. Yeah. They don't really say it, but I guess that's where they're probably going. Yeah, they were going to do a commando raid, as Starfleet often does. But then uh, three more cruisers show up, so they get repulsed. Valtain gets all blown up by the console. Yeah. That causes the memory again, and uh, now Tuvok is in kind of pretty bad shape physically, but Shmolas can't break the mind meld, so now they're both in trouble, because I think... It's uh, like Freddy Krueger rules. Yep. Yeah, you die in the dream. If Tuvok you die in dies life. during a mind meld, Janeway dies. Something like that. Yep. Um, 
And the one of the effects is that now Tuvok's dumb mind makes it so that Sulu can see Janeway. So now they have to knock out Commander Rand. Yep. And so Janeway can steal her uniform, even though... And let's let's just I don't I don't want to get into it. It wouldn't fit. It wasn't exact. It didn't look like the right size. They, they those two women don't appear to be the same size. No. Um. So that she Janeway thinks that Valtain's death is the key to this fucking thing. Mm. So she puts on the uniform and just goes and stands on the bridge and hopes uh, Sulu in Tuvok's mind will go. Who the fuck is that? <laughs> Who's that old woman? Does that we have one old woman, but that's not her. He doesn't know who's on his ship. Yeah. It's a big ship. It might have a big crew. Mm-hmm. But she is wearing the lieutenant commander's rank, so you'd think. Yeah. Damn, is that what Rand was? Yeah. She worked her way up. She really did, considering she was a... Yeoman? Yeoman first class. Mm-hmm. So... I and mean, plus all the, all the Kirk stuff. That couldn't have been good for her career. Maybe... Maybe someone, maybe she got like a boost. Someone read about what Mirror Kirk did and how she wasn't going to report him. And they're like, you know what? That's great loyalty. This, let's send her right to OCS. Maybe she won't uh, write a tell-all about her time in Starfleet. Yeah. Anyway, um, at this point, Schmollis discovers that there's three patterns in Tuvok's brain. There's Tuvok, there's Janeway. And there's something that isn't a memory, but it's pretending to be a memory. And uh, he's like, well, let's destroy that with Thoron radiation. Great. So that's his plan. And the way this thing plays out is the virus starts bouncing back and forth between them. Yeah, this memory is a virus. That lie that you allegedly heard me tell, that's a parasite that lives in It's a parasite that lives in his neck. Yeah. Yeah, the memory that he keeps having of this cliff is a fucking virus. It never happened to him. It transferred to him when Valtain died. It did appear to happen to every single ethnic ethnicity on Earth, though. Yes, we see... I think these are supposed to be memories of all of the people it had inhabited before. Mm-hmm. As it's like flipping out, because one of the like the last one's a fucking caveman or something. Yep. Yeah. So it's like, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> so this memory is all bouncing around. We see a bunch of dumb versions of this, and then uh, Schmollis has killed the thing with Thoron radiation, and the mind melds over. Mm. And the episode's over. Right. What's this episode about? Oh, uh, it's a no take. It's a zero. Um, I, I, um, I cynically had Tuvok wraps it up nicely for us in the end. Here weren't Kirk and Spock and the gang like a really good time? Wasn't <laughs> it so cool? Just such a good time. It was so cool to be in the olden times. That is exactly what this episode was. But I didn't expect the characters to just say that. Yeah. So the backstory here is that this was an episode that Voyager was asked to make. Yeah. To celebrate Star Trek's 30th anniversary. Mm-hmm. And all they could draw, I guess, was Sulu. That's all they had. <laughs> yeah, Uhura didn't want to do it. Yep. Um, she was just going to appear on a view screen. Uh, but they got they got Sulu and they got Yeoman Rand. Yeah. And that's it. They ran with it from there. And it's not and about they anything. Just, they just said, what if Tuvok was on that ship? 
I mean, I'm at not- this point, had had Tim Russ appeared on the bridge of Enterprise B in Generations, I don't know what the timeline is. It, 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 uh, he had to have, right? So if this is thirtieth anniversary, this would have been in ninety seven. Yeah, right? he had yes, because Generations is what ninety five, ninety four, ninety five, ninety six. I mean, it can't be ninety six. That's a good, that's a good question. He definitely has already appeared on the bridge of the Enterprise B as a human. Yeah, he he's in it for like just a fucking yeah. split second. So it's like uh, so you know ninety four release date November ninety four. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. So like you know how everyone's got doppelgangers out there, and I guess Tuvork has a human doppelganger out there that was on the Enterprise. On a different Excelsior class mm-hmm. ship. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Because <laughs> I don't I mean, think he's look, a Vulcan in, in uh, Generations. <laughs> fine. You know, fine. Like, yeah. um, the Excelsior was the top of the line at mm-hmm. that time. So fine that there's he's that there's a bunch of them and whatever. That one even has fancy extra fairings and dumb shit. Yeah. Uh, so, but yeah. But like... They didn't... I'm not kidding. This is what the episode was meant to be about. Every conversation they have on the side is just about how cool it was. Yeah. Like, Janeway and him are sitting around, just she's like, Haha, it was the Wild West. It would have been... Uh, they, they wouldn't make it today, but God, I'd give anything to hang out with those bros. And you're just like, oh, this is horrible. And, I'd love to bro around with all these dudes. I mean, the memory wasn't like weird guilt that had been repressed. It was totally fake. It was a virus, so that's nothing. Nothing that happened with the girl on the cliff or whatever. Yeah, oh, he, and by the way, we'll talk about this later, but they don't even get the events of Star Trek VI right. No, they don't. He um, he didn't like he didn't like Starfleet, and he quit, and then he joined again because he became a parent, and he understood all the pressure they were putting on him at that point because he had kids of his own. Um because his parents had pressured him to join Starfleet. But, like, that's not what the episode was about. That was a conversation no. they had halfway through. So, like, literally, the episode is a celebration of the 30th anniversary of Star Trek, and that's no take. That's zero. Um, yeah, I agree. It's zero. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> so, uh, let's cycle it and talk about uh, execution. Mm-hmm. Of course, I gave it zero points. I know. Now. You, yes. <laughs> that is the rubric. I don't think it would have scored a lot of points anyway. <laughs> no. So let's talk about this. Nothing that happens inside the mind meld matters. No. Schmollis solves the virus problem from sickbay. Yeah. I guess the fact that they do a mind meld clues him to look at the engrams or whatever. And that's when he's like, there's three instead of two. Right. But like, would he have tried that anyway at some point? Right. Unclear. Also, would the problem have resolved... As soon as Tuvok was just... As soon as they were just not near that nebula anymore. Yeah, this seemed to be a trigger. Every time he looked at it... Because it was it, looking at it that out. caused the problem for him. So, like... And by the way, if that's how that virus works, like... There ain't that many nebulas around, like... No, no, no. I think that's that how Vulcan man. repressed memories work. <laughs> oh, I was gonna say, like that caveman, he ain't never seen that nebula. The virus works by giving you the worst memory you can think of, which is apparently watching a little girl plummet to her death. Yeah. And I guess you, because you couldn't hold on. It seems I mean, like it should be something you're more culpable for, right? Or maybe like, someone you know. Like, what about... <laughs> like, I'd probably feel worse if it was the memory of someone I know. What about in Brothers, when that one guy is like, he tricked his kid and the kid ran, his kid brother and the kid ran off into the woods and ate the purple berries yeah. and got, like, real bad sick? 
Yeah. Like, it seems like worse, probably, than this. Huh. I, I don't know that girl, and I've never been to that cliff, so I'm not sure what's going on here. Anyway. No, so nothing that happens inside the fucking thing matters. Also, inside the mind meld, Janeway's presence is, does nothing. She just keeps telling him, go back to the precipice, go back to the precipice. Where's the cliff? Can't, he can't do it no. until he can. <laughs> until at the end when he suddenly can. And it's like, it's not clear that she did anything there. No. And also, nothing that happens in his memory can have possibly happened. Like, nothing about it makes sense because it's so different from Star Trek VI. Yeah. And Star Trek VI is canon, and this is, in canon, there's a memory. Yeah. So, like, Star Trek VI has to take precedent here. Yeah, plus, every time I, every frame of this I watched just made me want to watch Star Trek VI instead. So, like, here's the big one. Valtain survived Star Trek VI. I remember him. He did not die he's, in that. He's standing on the... There are a couple of, <laughs> let's call them, photo opportunities at the end of Star Trek VI. Yeah. There's one, the big one, of course. On the uh, planet. After they've saved the Federation president when they pose for a picture nobody's taking. When they send Scotty up to be a commando and he like kicks the door down and shoots a guy through a window. And then they all come down, including Scotty, with the gun still in his hand. And they all pose for a photo that no one's taking. That no one takes. Yep. But there's one when Sulu calls the Enterprise. Uh-huh. And his whole crew is standing around on the fucking bridge all in frame. And Sulu's like way off center to the right. He's got the selfie stick, but he's not pointing it exactly in the right place. Right. But uh, one of those smiling assholes in that shot is Valtain. So it's like, if the virus transferred at the time of Valtain's death to Tuvok, yeah. when did it really happen? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so maybe he was no never cured. It's a no-take, so it's zero points for me, but like, this wasn't going to be a high-scoring episode. Yeah, I don't have the same problem as you, or problem, I don't have the same philosophy as you about the execution. I, I think there's two components. There's executing on the premise, and then there's general execution. And uh, it still only earned a one. <laughs> because it's a really terrible episode. Um, I'm not even going to talk about premise, because we already talked about how there isn't one. This is like a very realistic hallucination that Tuvok is having. Where Janeway yep. can interact with the crew and they, like, respond and ask sensible questions. Yep. Listen, this is not a thing that I'm ever going to say before, but, like, we see Data have a couple of trippy dream sequences with, like, there's a miner or there's, like, a... There's now a there's a blacksmith and he's uh, forging Riker. a huge metal bird and then the bird's going to fly away and there's and it's like, my dreams are a lot more like that than yes. whatever's happening to old Tuvork here. Tuvork is having some super lucid dreams right now. Um, And then I, it's just like, so this is just a dumb old virus that makes people think they have a repressed memory of a dead girl? That's that's the thing that someone wrote as, the, as what happened in this episode. Uh... I mean, yeah, it was it was a bunch of feces. It's a one. I mean, we can safely move on. Yeah, well, might be a little quicker here, both because this episode is a diaper, but also because we don't have Ben's notes for this week. So That's right. maybe he'll come in in the nick of time, like last time. Yeah, it could be. So Matthew, um, surely there was some world building. Mm. Uh, yeah, I got some. Bullion tongues are mad rough and tough per two vork. Yeah, uh, they got their. They're cartilaginous. Yeah. Uh, like a shark. I think they're made out of sharks. I think they are just a bunch of little sharks. And that's how they eat. They just feed the shark in their mouth. Uh, Paracan eggs. And Paracus four. 
Cool. That's where those eggs are from. Uh, engineering has been adjusting the plasma output to accommodate a new energy source, ceruleum. It has many uses. Warp plasma catalyst, deflector shield booster, cooking, etc. Um, it's like space gasoline. It's gasoline, is what it is. Uh, class 17 Nebula, Class 11 Nebula, Vulcan Jenga. Um, if I was trying to relax, I wouldn't play that game, by the way. That shit kept breaking. Yeah, no, it seemed like the po- the purpose of it was focus, not relaxation, uh, but yeah, it didn't seem fun. Yeah. Why Kithara, and why not the thing it sounds like in English? This is a universal translator question, and I know those are useless. But oh, right. when he why, tells her it's it? called Kithara, and then he explains what it means, and it's like, why didn't the universal translator call it the thing it means? Yeah, this is the real problem with the universal translator. That it always knows exactly what you're trying to do. If you're trying to speak Klingon, it'll that spit it out It knows Klingon. if you're Riker that you're going to say only a Varul. <laughs> That's right. And it doesn't say oh. bastard. <laughs> only a bastard would ask such questions. <laughs> right. It always knows exactly what the hell you're trying to do. So it knew he was trying to use the Vulcan word. I don't know how. Um, Maybe if you say, like, it is called, then they know. There's no point in doing this and then putting a fake word in. I think it has a trigger word of some kind. Something like that, yeah. Uh, Tuvok says there are other Vulcans on board. I guess that's how we know there's going to be a Vorik. Yeah. Um, There's a hollow portrait of Zulu at Starfleet Command, but... Uh, Janeway says but it it's not. Doesn't big. look like the Star Trek Six Zulu, and and he makes a crack about old holograms didn't have good resolution, yeah. and it's like, yeah. what do you, is it because Sulu's four years older than when we did Star Trek Six? Like, what are we talking about? I don't know what six the years point older? Because <laughs> it's not. It's not like Sulu was thirty. It's not like George Takei was 30 when they made Star Trek VI, and now we're seeing 50-year-old George Takei, and he's got to look the same. Yeah. Star Trek VI was like 91 or 92, right? Yep. He looked old then, and he looked old in this. That's pretty much it. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's a weird thing that they're going uh, after. Star Trek VI has Colonel Worf in it, <laughs> in case you're wondering what where to place it in Colonel the Colonel Worf with sad ridges. Yes. Um, oh, I got some sirens coming up here. Um... Uh, it's, I think maybe it's one of those things where they always make the technology in these things worse than our real-life technology. And, like, they'll just be shooting a video and it'll be hella grainy with lines all in it. And you'll go, why is their video camera worse than our video camera? Maybe their hollow technology uh, in 22-whatever is, like, worse than our imaging technology today. Well, the other thing is, Star Trek Six is a movie. Yep. And it was shot on film, and so it's like... I'm sure that there's a high definition version of it now because oh, yeah. you just rescan the fucking film, right? Whereas Voyager looks like ass. <laughs> it kind of does, yeah. Like if three of the shows that we watch are in HD, right. TOS and TNG were remastered. Enterprise was just shot in HD, right? DS9 and Voyager—they do look like ass. It's true. They look real bad. They look like you're watching them on a Game Boy Color. <laughs> They're assy. So I would, like, they didn't know this, of course, but making cracks about resolution <laughs> when Sulu looks, Sulu's about eight pixels in this version yeah. is not great. He looks like the, he looks like Sulu in, did you ever play the, um, the version of Tiny Town where you had a starship, but everything was like 
block pixels and you could ah, you probably never played no. this one of these star trek mobile games but it's like with real blocky voxel graphics no i never played that yeah well, um, he looks like that in voyager let's see uss wyoming uh i guess is another ship he served on in the way back wins yeah wyoming was uh his first his first ship in his second starfleet career right the one that she has actually seen the record for right um, and remembers for some reason what was the ship his dad was on the yorktown i didn't put it in the notes yeah Con- I, here's what I have. Continuity of sorts with the Praxis explosion. At least a weird retelling. It seems like even before the Bird of Prey fight from Star Trek VI, Sulu got into it with the Klingons, which is a weird and unnecessary plot change. Um. Oh, so yeah, the other, bi- the other big problem, of course, is that in Star Trek VI, Kirk shows up to that briefing. Yeah. And... The first thing Spock says is, two months ago, a starship monitored the explosion yes. of the Klingon moon Praxis. Yes. Two months. Well, well, they've made it two days now. That's right. Hey, uh, they're using code, and what Spock and meant is if months, see, if, if months seemed like days or whatever. Right. That's a good point. <laughs> he was using his code. If, if we go by the book, months days would, seem like, would days. seem like months. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what he meant. He speaks in code a lot. Well, it worked really well at one time, so he stuck with it. Um, uh, igniting the ceruleum in the nebula, that that's a thing you can do. Um, I gave it the average three, though I think maybe their complete ruining of Star Trek VI's timeline might be might be caused to drop that to it. Yeah, let's drop it to a two. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, I had given it as much as a four. What? But it did such it... a bad job. Yeah. It did a bad job, but I think we can just say that his memory's a little jumbled because of the dumb virus. Oh, okay. Well, then I want my three back, then. You can have it. No, give me my three. I think that I that's much it. better than just saying the, the these guys didn't bother to watch Star Trek VI before they did this. Even though that is obviously what happened. Even though it should have been pretty easy for them to do. <laughs> they could have just only... picked it up at the video store or whatever. It take... Honestly, they only had to watch the Excelsior parts. It, I mean... <laughs> yeah, that's right. They could have fast-forwarded through uh, old Kirk doing his thing. But those parts are so good. I mean, that's the part where the best Kirk parts. Walks, uh, walks away and asks if there's any other way they can embarrass themselves tonight is... <laughs> there's a lot of small touches in that film. Where they uh, they invite well, him over for wh- dinner and they do not cover themselves in glory in any way. <laughs> it's one of the three good Star Trek movies. Yes. Let's just say that. And I'm including all of the Next Generation movies and all of the Ke- Kelvin Timeline movies yes, as well. Yes, the number doesn't get any bigger when you include no, those. Still just three. Yeah. <laughs> it's too bad. Still just two, four, and six. Yeah. <laughs> all right, so you gave it a four. Did you have any other stuff in there? Uh, yeah. Um, apparently, in medicine now, if you're doing a differential diagnosis, you have to exclude the possibility of contact with a parallel universe. That is one of the things that the doctor said could be wrong with Tuvok. So clearly that's something that you've got to think about. Is yeah. did you have this weird memory because you were briefly in contact with a parallel universe? I wonder how much that applies to people who aren't flying around in deep space ships. I know Tuvok does, so it does apply in this case, but I wonder if that's something that regular folks have to worry about. Like if you go to the I'm... doctor, do they have to be like is it a thing you have to fill out on every form even though you haven't been in deep space? I mean, imagine if Harry Kim's girlfriend had made him go to a doctor. Yeah, he'd have to talk about some stuff. In alternate Earth. Then they'd be like, oh, well, 
let's do the test to see if you were in contact with a parallel universe. Yep. There must be a test or else it's u- it's useless speculation, right? Yeah. Unless you can remember a time. You know what I mean? And then and then you don't have to do any testing. You can just be like, oh yeah, last week, remember that? When we were in the alternate universe? That might have something to do with it. But yeah, that's it. I mean, okay. Return of Kang, Boleans have cartilage tongues, parallel universe, Kithara blocks, repressed memories are murderous to Vulcans. <laughs> a little, yeah. little flush on the bones of the Excelsior plot from Star Trek VI, if you assume that some version of that is roughly true. Yeah, it's tough. Maybe Valtain died in another fight with Klingons the next day. like, And then he resigned. He's like, man, shit's wild out here. Like, I'm, I'm fucking out of here. I've had like six fights with Klingons in the last week. I'm done. What if what really happened is... Theory Corner. Okay. Uh, Tuvok resigned his commission, took a job with the sneaky wing of the Vulcan... Council, High Council. Okay. You know, these guys that are always... Uh, Hunting down operatives on planets and shit? Doing shit on Pajam or being tracking down the Seventh or whatever. Okay. Uh, had weird surgery to untip his ears. Mm. Took a job on Enterprise B. I like He's it. just a straight-up Vulcan spy on the Enterprise B. I like that. I like that idea. Why wouldn't they spy on their friends, too? Oh, I, I assume. That's one of the things a spy does. That's right. I assume they definitely do. Okay, I, I buy it. I mean, that's good for now. It gives yeah. Tim Russ uh, something else to have done in his backstory. Yeah. It's very important. Uh, characterization. Yeah. Uh, I have it at a five. Okay. So, I I guess everything we learn about Tuvok makes sense. He went to Starfleet for the wrong reasons, and he didn't he didn't get anything out of it. And then later he found some different internal motivation to return, and presumably he gets more out of it now, though he's pretty trapped where he is, so. Yeah. He didn't, he's kind of stuck with it now, and who knows how long he was in in his second career before he got zipped out to the Delta Quadrant. Well, he's, okay. I think but also, Star, Starfleet's it. pretty different and probably a lot more Vulcan-friendly now. Yeah, I think they talk about it. They said 80 years ago he was an ensign on the Excelsior, and then he resigned, and he was gone for 50 years. But that means he's been back for 30. That doesn't make a lot of sense. Right! Did he have to go back to the Academy? I don't know what they made him do. He's got, like, a data timeline. Did they have to put together a special refresher course where they're like, (laughs) uh, you do need to take both of the classes on the Prime Directive, and you definitely need to take... Uh, you need to get up to date on the here are some aliens you might encounter in Starfleet class. Yeah, and then also we have uh, a sexual harassment thing that you have to take. You got to do sexual harassment now, and then uh, we're not going to make you, you all, take 50. none of your engineer. All of your engineering classes don't count. That's before. That's right. You're going to have to really fucking bone up on the uh, engineering. That's what I heard in the episode, and I went, "Wait a minute, he's been here thirty years." Okay, I'll try to figure this out. <laughs> Uh, Janeway's got the same fascination with old Starfleet as she did with Amelia Earhart, so I suppose that kind of tracks. Yeah. Like, it seems like her. Uh, this episode was real pandery, but I didn't think characterization was the worst part of this absolute drip of an episode. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, we were pretty close. I had it at a four. Uh, starts off with more Neelix bullying Tuvork, which always makes me a little bit sad that everyone just lets Neelix get away with that shit. Yeah. Um, it makes sense Tuvok would be willing to wear that dumb cortical monitor 
they'd probably write a human character to be angry at the doctor for suggesting it. They'd be yep. like, oh, what? I'm fine. It's not a big deal. But he's just like, yeah, that, that makes sense. I'll wear the stupid neck thing and walk around all day. I don't know. I feel like if I had the shakes and then a real bad hallucination <laughs> okay and the doctor was like, you got to yeah. wear this thing on your neck for a while. I'd be like, I'm gonna, I'll wear that thing. What if you were Nick Lacarno though? Ah, uh, yeah, well, if I was Nick Lacarno. Yeah, you, you would not be into that. Um, Tuvok trusts Janeway almost like family, more than any Vulcan on board. Again, 80 years ago, 50 years off, whatever. I guess his career hasn't been real amazing. Well, Not first a superstar. Of all, we know he wasn't good as Janeway's spy in the Maquis. Nope, bad at that. Because <laughs> Seska really did a fucking number on everybody. Seska was the good spy in the Maquis. Yeah. And uh, she probably knew Tuvork was uh, with Starfleet all along. And just didn't yeah, know she probably that. had that figured out right away. Yeah. Um, he, he was real sick of humans back in the day. To be fair, this guy, Dimitri Valtain, sucks. <laughs> yep. I mean, I wouldn't want him as my roommate. He's probably always trying to show him, like, tits and stuff. He's probably just always like, yeah, check out these jugs. <laughs> um, he didn't seem like a... Like a cool dude. No. But um, to me, that's the guy from Dexter, so. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. I wonder where I've seen him. I like him a Star- lot better in a Guayabara. But, uh, yeah. Uh, let's see. Mm, Tuvok thinks it's better to knock a chick out and take off her clothes than to just ask if her. If I'd said bad guy from the first Expendables movie. Wait, is he the bad guy from the first Expendables movie? Yeah. He's the bad guy on the island. I knew I'd seen him in more than just Star Trek 6 Yeah, he's been around That dude gets around Uh, Anyway, Tuvok thinks it's better to knock a chick out And take off her clothes than to just ask her for her clothes So, I think he's wrong on that This is real, so You have to hope that he knows that this None of this counts, that nothing that happens in here counts But he explains Yeah That he thought that was a better idea I think he's wrong on that one Everyone out there, don't knock ladies out and take their clothes off feel like it's a good thing to point out that you shouldn't No. We did miss an opportunity to see what kind of weird underwear they got under those things. <laughs> and did Janeway take it? Well, look, we, we've seen the underwear from Enterprise hundreds of times. Yeah, they love it. It's, high, it's very it's prominently featured. We've seen Chief O'Brien's underwear. Oh, that's true. We it, have. In DS9. It's purple. Yeah. What are they wearing under those great, great uniforms from the movies? Good question. Which somehow didn't look as good in this episode. And I don't know if it's because they were not fitted to the actors correctly or... I thought it was bad lighting. The, maybe, it didn't have all the good movie lighting. Video lighting was what the problem was. Yeah, the shitty Voyager lighting. Um, they look too red and uh, not enough purple, I think. Janeway isn't cool about being in someone else's mind at all. Just wisecracking and shit. Um, yep. She explains to... Kim? That Kirk's time was very different? She was talking yeah. to Harry Kim? Okay. Just laughs off how batshit everybody was back then. Also, um, she's not worried about watching this guy Valtain die over and over again at all. Not even like, didn't know that guy. Not the least bit put off by his dead body in front of them. <laughs> Listen, Janeway's the captain of a whole ship. How many people do you think she's seen killed by an exploding panel? It's got to be a lot at this point. It's one of the top ways to die in Starfleet. Oh, I assume every single cause of death listed from Starfleet is a panel exploded, and then there's like a secondary cause. Like, photon (laughs) torpedo from a Klingon ship. 
Does anyone ever die without plasma burns on their body? No. Is the question that I have. The 100% no. There's a checkbox percentage of body burned, plasma burned, <laughs> and there isn't even one that says 0 to 10%. No. No, no, no. Uh, Sulu counts for characterization? Because. Uh, I thought is... Sulu was fine in this, but it's an interesting question. But does he not? Because this is just a memory of Sulu. I mean, this is, but it's new stuff. It's not just footage. It's not Shades of Grey. Well, either way, he was trying to. Bre- he was willing to break every rule and risk war with the Klingons to save those two guys. So, whatever. Well, that's that what Kirk would have done. Yeah. Uh, again, Kang, and what Spock did. Kang shows up here. Seems very familiar with Sulu. Well, does he just know everyone on Enterprise? Yeah, we still haven't seen Kang's episode. Okay. So I guess maybe that will inform this, but. Or do One they have like a, a backstory that some dumb Star Trek novelist wrote six novels about or something? Oh, it could be. To try to fill it. Did STO oh, okay, cover yeah. this? Uh, Is there a Sulu Kang backstory in STO? I don't believe so. Because I uh, think someone needs to look into this. Because he's like, the, ah, Sulu, glad to see you finally got a command or whatever. The Azure Nebula is in STO. Uh-oh. That could be a problem. But it's in uh, the space of New Romulus. Well, I don't really know what... Or Mole Rehan. I don't know why that's happening. Uh, Tuvok was fine in terms of character and backstory work. Janeway was less good, and that's why I gave it a four. Do you have some uh, quick quacks? Uh, yeah, that Neelix juice he was making in the teaser looked pretty good. I'd try some of that. Um... Well, he was mispronouncing papaya, right? I didn't know what he was saying. Is that he what said he was papala, doing? but like, if you pronounce that double L like a Y, it'd be the word papaya. <laughs> I don't know what he was doing. I assumed he was yeah, talking about alien stuff. It did um, look like a pretty good juice, though. I haven't had a fruit juice in a long time. You know what I want? I want, uh, I want that little can of apricot nectar. Mm, yeah, that stuff's pretty good. Or the guava nectar in that little tiny can is good, too. You know I want? love the little can because it says... This is not good for you. That's right. This is in this very, very, very small portion. we give portion. you three ounces of it. Yeah. Um, I had remembered that this was the Tuvork in the past episode. I had not remembered uh, child Tuvork with a recurring memory of a dead girl. So I was pretty <laughs> upset when that happened. Well, it doesn't really have much to do with the past at all. No. That's the main question of the episode is, what does this have to do with anything? That's the main question of this episode. Yep. When they're back in the past, in in Excelsior times, Janeway is constantly asking, what does this have to do with anything? How does everyone in Starfleet know everything about everything, but Janeway didn't seem to know any of the events of Star Trek VI? Uh, it's a real good question. I... Everyone's always like, oh yeah, I read about that at the Academy. Like, no matter what kind of fucking obscure thing it was. But, I liked... Uh, this seemed like a big the... deal. You'd think that this... I mean, because this led to the first... She says this led to the first Federation Klingon Treaty. Mm-hmm. The events of Star Trek VI, yeah. right? She should know a little something about it, yeah, right? the whole time she's like, I didn't know that happened. What's going on? Like, at least you should know that... The way the Klingon Cold War was resolved was because of an environmental disaster on the moon of Praxis. Yeah, that seems like that would be that a was good going to doom point. the Klingon Empire, and it's what allowed them to make peace with yeah. the Federation. You should know that. That would be like on Jeopardy. That would be 
uh, causes of the Kitamura Accords for one, for 200 or whatever. Yeah, it's a 200 level That's the easy one. Sure. You just go, oh yeah, I know this, Praxis. <clears throat> but she didn't Like, know maybe... Well, okay, so we know that the Excelsior's battle with Kang was never in the logs. That's so it's right. fine that she doesn't know about that. But, like, the actual battle at Kitimer, where they blow up uh, Chang's... Secret space weapon? Secret bird of prey? Mm-hmm. That could be the Daily Double. Yeah, right. What was the name of the, the uh, rogue general or whatever? Right. Yeah, yeah. she didn't know not, nothing about it, though. <clears throat> um, and that's all I had for this fucking turd salad. Uh, right up at the top, I thought mining some new wonder material from an anomaly seemed like a real good way to get somebody's lungs ate. <laughs> for sure, there's six million shifts in there. <laughs> Just it's like, welcome to season three. We're looking for minerals in a fucking cave again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought Kess was the obvious logical choice for this mind meld. Cause she, Not Janeway. She has mystical powers and he's been mentoring her and stuff like that. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But now apparently Janeway. Hey, how come the fact that there are other Vulcans on this ship didn't come up at all during that big old mind meld episode? Mm. With Suter? I think whoever wrote this episode hadn't not just not hadn't seen Star Trek six. They hadn't seen any Voyager episodes either. Oh, okay. This was real... they, this, uh, some hired gun came in. And yeah. Like, I, I wrote this old episode uh, for Jag. And no one wanted it, but I think we could adapt it. <laughs> I would really like to. I would like to see the number of Star Trek scripts that have been adapted from Jag scripts. A lot of Jag scripts. <laughs> I, I mean, for <laughs> I hope all the procedural. For one are thing, all Jag most scripts. of the court martial episodes That's are right. all Jag. All scripts. the procedural ones, or someone's doing an investigation of something. I really hope those are all Jags. I wish I could remember the name of Catherine Bell's character in Jag, or the name even of the actor that played the man. Uh, actor Lieutenant or Handsome. character, Lieutenant Handsome. Yeah, exactly, handsome, handsome guy. I think she was more uptight than him. I don't remember <laughs> what their dynamic was exactly, but if I could remember even one of their characters, I would love if one of them slipped and said that that character name. I'm not even sure I've Tuvork. I've seen as many as seven minutes of Jag in my life. Every there's time not, I scanned past it, I went, "I'm not watching this." There's not a lot of Jag. I mean, Jag is one of those CBS shows that it's like, have you seen? Even one full episode of Castle. Oh, God, I've seen probably even fewer minutes of Castle than I have. Okay, Jack. exactly. <laughs> it's, Castle's totally watchable, Nathan Fillion's funny in it, etc., but it's like, why would you? Yes. There's, why would you have seen it? There's 500 of these. If I'm going to go down this fucking rabbit hole, I'm dead. Yeah. To watch all the uh, Meanwhile, Katie's been watching all the NCISs This is what I'm Netflix. saying. There's one million. I'll never right. end if I start. Um, let's see. Tuvok is 109 damn years old. Yeah. And then all of the timeline shit was in my quick hitters, but okay. I should have known I wouldn't be able to wait until quick hitters to say <laughs> that they screwed up. Yeah. I gave best actor to Sulu. Okay, that makes sense. And worst actor to, uh, unfortunately, to old uh, Lieutenant Commander Rand. I know there's Harry Kim in this episode. Yeah, but, he makes an appearance. But he doesn't really say many lines, and it's fine. <laughs> Uh, but I didn't, she didn't seem like she was in command of anything. Like yeah. when she goes to tell them all about the anomaly, they're going to be charting or whatever. I don't know. You know, she volunteered to go deliver that message too. And Sulu just straight up went, I don't fucking care. Uh, whatever. Go fucking tell them. I don't give a shit. Uh, 
Yeah. Yep, not great. Fourth place last week was TOS. Mm. Two weeks in a row, it's been pretty bad. Yeah. And we'll see <laughs> if they can dig themselves out with this week's episode, Wolf in the Fold. My explanations are never as long as yours, um, but I don't even know what to say about this one. It opens up in like a belly dancing brothel on <laughs> the planet Ar- Argelius. Argelius, what is it? Uh, yes, Ar- Argelius, maybe Argelius, uh, which is some kind of pleasure planet. Think Risa, but foggier and um, more racist. More racist for sure. There's like a there, you'll see a dude in a fez and. Uh, Oh boy. Uh, anyway, they are there, ostensibly because Scotty was hit on the head by an accident that was caused by a lady. Mm-hmm. A lady caused an accident that hurt Scotty, and they felt he needed some shore leave. And I think they are only winking when they say, uh, "Oh well, he he uh, he hates women because of this accident, so we need to get him some." As a yeah, cure. we need to get him laid so that he doesn't have a lifelong resentment of to women ladies. because of this accident that he had. I I am a doctor, and <laughs> apparently I know psychiatry, and this is a thing that can happen. Again, I, I really, I hope that was just them winking because they wanted to go get some on this pleasure planet, and that this was what they came up with. But also, doesn't it kind of feel like they mean it? No, it does. Because <laughs> later, when they're that asking the central of question the of the episode... Kirk and McCoy then reconvene, and they're like, well, he what does if hate he hates women. women? <laughs> <laughs> this is so... Okay. Uh, anyway, Scotty goes off with the lady, the dancer, that, that they've been enjoying. And, um, Look, spoiler alert, this episode sucks. <laughs> it sucks in all of the... I mean, honestly, I... Don't stop me anymore. I I keep I'm shutting down like a bad robot. Like I I can't even say anything about this episode. So Kirk calls the lady over. Yeah, he calls the her belly over dancer the over, and there is the strong implication that Kirk has arranged this for he Scotty. To which Scotty says, "You're like the best captain I ever. You're the had. best captain in the fleet. Yeah, you're a fucking what a great guy. You bought me this hooker anyway." Yeah, he goes off with this old hooker, and um, they don't get too far down the street. They're going to go off to some other place and get some other action, some rim jobs or whatever. And uh, they don't get too <laughs> yeah, far. Yeah, Kirk and McCoy are going to go get weird with it. Yeah, they're getting. there's a place across town that does this thing, and you got to go there and get that thing done. Um, they don't get far before, uh, oh, whoops, um, that lady that Scotty went off with, well, she got stabbed, and Scotty's the only one next to her, and he's unconscious. So, whoops, did Scotty murder a lady? Oh, he's got a weird, evil-looking knife, too. Yeah. So then they, like, uh, the the wiener police guy shows up, and, um, you know. And you know he's bad, because he's got a high-pitched voice. I'm, I'm in charge of the, the crime around here. I'll solve it. Right? That was pretty good. And, um... I, he's the kind of dude who uh, would finally have time to read his books after the nuclear apocalypse, <laughs> but, but then they dropped his glasses and they broke. Exactly. That's the kind of wiener you should be imagining. Um, he's the kind of guy that for sure Marjan would ask if he's one of those Howards. Oh, yeah. She would. She definitely would ask. Um, he shows up, and also the, the prefect, or whatever, of this uh, of this planet? Is he the leader of the planet? 
The guy who it shows might be up. that he's the leader of the planet. Oh, whatever. Prefect, whatever his name is, shows up too, and they're all like, "Ah, oh, damn! Jarrus. Somebody just straight got murdered in our wonderful pleasure town. What's going on here?" Um, but he also, this prefect, is totally willing to play ball with Kirk on this investigation. And yeah, it 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 is the one good thing about this episode is that there is kind of a weird undercurrent here of. This is this guy playing ball because he needs tourism is the basis of this planet's economy now. And because he acquiesces to everything Kirk suggests the entire time. Meanwhile, the, entire <clears throat> the whiny police guy keeps going, what the hell are you talking about? <laughs> the guy's just like, shut up, let them do what they want. Um, so a couple of women have been killed. Big deal. We got a lot of them. Uh, they beam down their own. Um, lady doctor to run some kind of scan on Scotty. For some reason, yes. they gotta go do that alone. So they go off alone to do that scan. What, she's scanning his dick? I don't understand why that's gotta be done alone. Yes, I don't know why you have to use the psycho tricorder alone in a dark room somewhere. Well, she dies too. And once yeah. again, Scotty's the only one <clears throat> who's left there, just kind of hanging out unconscious again. And uh, so now they're like, ah, shit, that's too, that's not so good. That's not so very good. Um, Should we bring down a man to run the Psycho (laughs) Tricorder? See if the man gets killed, too. No. Uh, Well, so the the prefect has got a wife, and she's got magic powers. She's got ancient ways. Spock has admitted that they are 100% factual, that this lady can definitely do crazy mind-reading shit. So... We're going to get her to figure this out. We're all going to hold hands in a circle, and she's going to be a medium or whatever. I'm going to show medium. Yeah, medium! Um, and the lights go out. She gets killed, too. Yeah, there's never been a seance in media where the lights don't go out and somebody gets killed. This yeah. time it's her. Yeah, she gets killed. And so now, I mean, honestly, people are a little bit put out by all the Yeah, murder. well, the prefect's wife has been killed, <laughs> but he's still going to be like... All right, let's get these guys on their fucking way. I don't care if that guy is a killer. I don't care if he killed my wife. But, oh, by the way, the death penalty here is death by slow torture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, rather than acquiesce, even though, I mean, it's pretty clear Scotty's murdering everybody in here. Um, They go up to Enterprise, and they're going to they're gonna run the shit. They're going to run the investigation up there with the space computer that knows everything that you want. That You just ask it a question. It'll tell you everything. Um... So like they're up there with space computer, and space computer's telling them all about um, Red Jack. <laughs> yes. So during the séance before she gets killed, oh yeah, she screams out Red Jack. She says a bunch of names. Yeah. Uh, hold on, I've got them written down here somewhere. <laughs> this whole episode had me just throwing my hands up. Kesla, Baratus, and Red Jack. And Red Jack. Um. So they're like asking the computer to do some simple, some simple searches on that shit. They they do a real Darmok on this one. They do. They pull a Darmok on it, but only the good part where they figure out some information, not the bad part where they stop doing the investigation and start shooting. <laughs> where they're like, "We're never going to get to the bottom of this." <laughs> I know we shooting. just learned something. <laughs> um, <sighs> Darmok has come up every week. I think that we've done this. I fucking, I, I was so mad the last time I watched it. <laughs> Uh, anyway. I felt real bad for that nice captain trying to get it through these idiots thick heads. I'm just gonna cut to the chase. Um, this is a space alien, like an alien 
fucking entity. Kind of like the one from not that long ago, the one that Kirk said smelled like honey. Yes. It's reminiscent of that alien. <laughs> it travels, you know, that disgusting scent of honey. Uh, it travels from planet to planet, straight murdering ladies. Uh, Rejack is what they called it on Earth, but they could never figure out who it was because it was a, a magic space alien. Yes, it feeds on their terror, and that's why it preys that's on women. Right. Because, as everybody knows, women be cowards. Yeah, but it's been, uh, these days it's hiding in the body of that uh, whiny police officer guy. Yep. Uh, Martina Hingis, or whatever his name is. <laughs> it's Martina Hingis. And, uh, right when they figure that shit out, that it's been him the whole time, because they know where, where he's been. Though I didn't understand this. Okay. He is from... Rigel 7. Rigel 7. And they find a knife from Rigel 7, right? Yep. The big scary knife is from Rigel 7. Okay. Also, Rigel <laughs> 7 is where Baratus did yeah. his his murders a year ago. But, like, this space alien ain't from Rigel. No, it, it made its way out to Rigel 7 at some point because it was Jack the Ripper. The only thing that that You've evidence... said Jack the Ripper already, right? <laughs> yeah, Red Jack, Red Jack is Jack the Ripper. I'm sorry. Okay. So Red Jack, the lady says, that's Jack the Ripper. That's why he was never found in London because he, he's a space alien who can fly off the planet or whatever. Um, oh, yeah. Kirk and Spock do one of their great let's decide what the truth about something is moments yeah. where they get together and Kirk says a series of murders in the most populous city in the old world. And, and they never, never found solved. out who it was. Must be a space alien. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but wouldn't that evidence only just prove that it was this guy? It wouldn't prove that it was the space alien who could hide in people's bodies. Wouldn't you just go, Oh, this guy did it. Yeah. I don't think until it goes into the computer, they know that it's inhabiting Hengist's Henkes, body. They, they really think, think it's him and that he was Jack the Ripper? Yeah, he, he lives forever. Because at she, this point, look, they'd already the mentioned that said, they thought it was Jack the Ripper. The woman said that the <laughs> Red Jack was eternal. I know, but so that was just this guy just going around. Yeah, he's just a bald, mild-mannered <laughs> nerd. Uh, anyway, yeah, he does then uh, prove that he is like uh, the best at this because he in, he goes inside the computer next. I'm sorry, it's Rigel Four, not Rigel Seven. Okay, he goes inside the computer next because the episode had ten minutes left and they didn't they weren't done. So now he's in the computer, and uh, with the help of an unsolvable puzzle and um, what tranquilizers for the crew. Yeah, yeah, they get the crew super high. <laughs> so here's the here's the thing: the, he is the, uh, Red Jack has taken control of the ship by via the computers, and he's gonna try to scare everyone to death because yeah. that's how he gets off. Yep. So Kirk orders them to fucking pump Valium into the air. Yep. So that everyone is cooked, real real high acting. Yeah. And they don't seem like they'd be good at their jobs. Yeah, Sulu uh, is definitely doing some some loud acting. In this Meanwhile, point. Spock gives the computer a priority one directive to compute the last digit of pi. Great. Then he does an explanation about how pi is a transcendental number and it doesn't have a last digit, etc. Thanks, Spock. Um, anyway, it goes back into that little nerd's body and then they beam it out into space. Oh yeah, they murder him. Yeah, they kill that guy. <laughs> Even though they know he's merely the host. For that yeah, alien. at this point, they know that Hengist's body is not Red Jack, but, you know, the someone's got to take the fall for this anyway, so why not be that guy, right? They can just tell everyone yep. he did all the murders. Uh, it's, uh, sorry, I know I, I really failed on explaining this episode, but I was baffled by it the entire time. 
So yeah, it's the the fundamental question of this episode is: Is Scotty a murderer? He doesn't have uh, any memory of these incidents, but is he blacking out because he's doing a, his own weird repressed memory, his own trauma hiding thing? Where he is it just that he hates he women? A so Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde. Like, did the dumb thing that happened, the dumb accident that we didn't see happen before the show started, did that cause him to trigger his and? Frankly, it's a good choice because his behavior about women is strange. That's true. He's the one you'd want to pick. Him or McCoy. I mean, like, him or McCoy, right? Yeah. Uh, and then it's like, you know, you watch Kirk start to believe that Scotty's probably a murderer. and But then he seizes on any fucking thread to get Scotty out at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, then, uh, Spock tells Kirk, by the way, at the end of the episode is Spock tells Kirk, it's going to be several hours before the crew's done being loopy. You, uh, you should probably just go down and fuck down on the fuck. <laughs> yeah, planet. That's right. They all talk about how, oh, well, we still got time to go down and fucking get after it. To which Kirk says, alone? <laughs> no, it's gotta be a bros thing. I can stay up here and fuck one of these loopy bitches. I want to run a train. That's why I came to this planet. <laughs> that's right. Bones, you're with me. Let's get down there and just absolutely demolish some ladies. So, um, so y- you were describing what the episode, what the plot of the episode was about. What, what, what is the takeaway we're supposed to get from this? What's the premise of this? Boy, this one wasn't easy. No. <clears throat> when you have eliminated the impossible, whatever remains, uh-huh. however improbable, right, must be the truth. In this case, that Scotty was wanged on the head and he hates ladies. <laughs> No, because the space computer said that Scotty didn't do it. Okay, okay, good. So, it's gotta be the fucking alien that the woman was talking about in the seance, right? Yep, that must be it. It must be that this guy's Jack the Ripper. Now, it turns out it is. Yes, of course. Well, that's because they decided that supports the premise, right? Yep. Um, I hate that. Yeah. I thought that this episode was gonna be a question about law versus justice. Hmm. A la Justice, the episode Justice. Sure, sure. But it didn't, and uh, Prefect Jarrus, despite the fact that he looks and talks like a creep, ended up being totally agreeable throughout the whole episode. <laughs> Even when his wife Even after his butchered. wife was killed. <laughs> maybe he didn't really like Maybe that's a limpy situation. I don't think he was that into her. Also, he was surrounded by um, hookers, so, you know, what does he care? Yeah. Um, I have it as a three. Uh, I also had it oh, as... I, and by the way, I admit that it's a totally cooked premise. I, I also had it as a three. And mine was, thorough police investigations are necessary in all cases, even when the answers appear obvious. Because obviously Scotty did this. Yeah, he did all these murders. But, like, they turned up some crazy nonsense because they kept investigating. It wasn't about anything. The episode was... It was a whodunit on Hooker Planet. So, yeah, it's a three. Um... Execution. All of this boys will be boys stuff obviously couldn't be aging worse. Mm-hmm. I mean, we're like two minutes in and I'm just throwing my hands up in the living room by myself. How do you even make a critical evaluation for something that's so fundamentally different from what our society is like today? Uh, it's tough. <laughs> it's just going, what is happening in here? He literally took him to Whore Island. He did. I mean... What is this, Denver or Hawaii? Island? 
in terms of the premise I picked, um, the thing that ended up happening in this episode was stupid, but like they kept digging away until they figured it out. So good on them. Uh, this episode was everything that's wrong with 60s sci-fi. None of it made any sense. It had no point other than what is Jack the Ripper. Um, he was never found cause he was a magic alien cloud or whatever. Um, it kept upping the stupidity every five or ten minutes, and it should have ended like five different times. I mean, it was just a stinker on every level. So it's a fat one. It's just a one in execution. Yeah, I'm not much more rosy on this one than you. I gave it as many as two points. Okay. Uh, this episode asks us to buy two things. Okay. That Sibo, that's the name of the guy's wife. That sure. her empathic seance was accurate. Yeah. And that the lie detector is infallible. And those are just things that we have to believe. We have to accept. Yeah. And only then does, I guess it's Jack the Ripper, make sense. <laughs> and I guess Jack the Ripper was an alien. Why is there anyone planets? in that room who believes both of those things? Hmm. I, I can't believe that Kirk believes that the computer lie detector is infallible. I don't believe he believes that at all. I believe, in this case, he would have said anything to save his good, good friend, Scotty. All he did was kill a whore and then a crewman. I mean, a whole lieutenant, really. Yep, a whole lieutenant and then a prefect's wife. prefect's wife. Yeah. But they're never going back to that planet. They can't anymore. (laughs) There's a bunch of other fuck planets out there. That's right. Go to Risa. It's fine. So that's pretty weak. Yeah. It also takes um, a closed room mystery. But then the, just the last ten minutes are just clown school. Yeah. I really needed to end after they figured out it was that guy. Yeah. When Once it got into the computer, I was like, oh my god. Like, I can't believe this episode isn't over. It's like, oh, another whole dumb act here? Yep. Uh, also, the father-fiancé stuff didn't pay off in any way. No. It's just a weird... Like red, red herring. herring, yeah. You're supposed to think literally it's that a weird red guy. herring. But if the solution to the mystery is going to be Jack the Ripper, <laughs> you don't need that. Other you don't guy. have to follow mystery form because you are cheating. That's right. No one's gonna guess that. I promise. No it one saw cheat. that. Saw that first hooker go down and go. It was Jack the Ripper. Uh, it's fucking Jack. For the Ripper. sure, it was Jack the Ripper. At it again. Out here on Argelius, what fucking surprise. Jack the Ripper. I knew he was an alien travels between planets, murdering women. <clears throat> yeah, they have that whole thing, though. I didn't even mention that. They have that whole plot with the guy. One of the musicians the is the guy. dancer's dad. And her. they found the man in Hollywood with the most punched-in face. <laughs> his face looked extreme. His whole face was punched drunk. Not the rest of him, just his face. Yeah. And... Um, and then that guy plays her, the woman's fiance, who apparently the done thing on this world is just to watch your fiance run off with Scotty to get nailed. Yeah. Because jealousy is real looked down on on this world. Yeah. Like, you're a real piece of shit if you are jealous here. A real fucking maroon. And so that the dad's like, this guy's not good enough for my daughter. Did you see how he was jealous? Yeah. What a son of a bitch. <laughs> yeah, and you're, I guess you're supposed to be thinking, all right. I sold, my, I sold my daughter to Kirk personally. I, I, that's right. <laughs> I for sure thought that guy did it. And that we were just going to find out he was he was manipulated. Yeah, but then he just gets way. up on the fucking lie detector and the computer's like, it nah, it's, he didn't lie. Definitely <laughs> isn't this guy. Have you thought about Jack the Ripper? <laughs> Does not compute Jack. Red Jack. 
What if it's Red Jack? Um, so yeah, none of that paid off, which sucks. So yeah. I gave it a two for execution. Okay. I am going to go... Oh, no, you need to tell me what you thought the execution was now. No, no, no. That's I, how this works. I told you it was a one. I told you. Oh, okay. Yeah, we went over I it. just didn't record it. Yeah, it was a one. So tell me about the world building. There must have been something. Huh? Something? Rigel 4 is home to a bunch of Howards, I wrote. <laughs> I knew I had it somewhere. I just couldn't find Thank it to you. send you a screenshot secretly. Thank you. I'm glad. So, yeah, I saw it too. Yeah, that, I don't know if you watched this one with Marjan, but I'm no, sure she shouted it when she saw that guy. I didn't, but I knew as soon as I saw him that she would have said, is that some kind of Howard? Is that one, one of those Howards, Howards you never heard of? <laughs> yeah, that's Royce Howard. It's a different Howard. Uh, Psycho tricorders. Yeah, yeah. Energy creatures. Other ones. Yeah, other, They give some precedent. Entities that ones. feed on fear. Uh-huh. Hypnotic screens. Yeah. Manual turbo lift control. I saw that. Immaculate lie detectors. Yep. More enterprise computer hypotheses. And a planetary society that treats jealousy as toxic and shameful. I actually thought that that's, that's more than we usually get wow. out of uh, out of these shows. So I gave it four. All right. <clears throat> Argelius has a completely hedonistic society. Thanks, Gene. You know, that was yeah. Gene Roddenberry all over this one. Oh, yeah. Uh, what is implied when Scotty asks Kirk if all of this, I mean, all these women are, is he asking if they're for him for free? I mean, this, uh, <laughs> just, this turkey just for anyone or he was losing his shit uh, as, as usual. These are uh, written down stream of consciousness and, yeah. uh, yes, it became clear that those were for him because Kirk had arranged it. Um, that's your world building? Because I was trying to figure out if this was legit, like, did they buy all these whores? This is a whore planet. Um, it is a whore planet. The, um, the Argelians, or Argelians, or whatever, uh, they applaud with weird lights on their tables. Oh, yeah. They, that like, was cool. They flash the lights. They don't clap like an idiot, but Scotty is an idiot, so. Someone had to build those. The Someone had lights. to build those props. The flashing light table props. I bet they were pretty disappointed. What? For a fucking total throwaway, nothing. <laughs> what they were in. Uh, Argelius is the only major spaceport in the quadrant, but they're obviously using quadrant in a different way, right? From like Alpha Quadrant, yeah. Delta Quadrant. Because yeah. that seems like that can't be true. No, that doesn't make any sense. I think uh, what uh, quadrants and sectors didn't hadn't really no one had really thought about it. Yeah, uh, the space polygraph we talked about. All kinds of aliens know all about Jack the Ripper, so that's weird and dumb. Because they're talking about Jack the Ripper, using the words Jack the Ripper, and all these aliens in this room are like, What? Jack the Ripper? So I guess that guy with a fez on that whore planet knows about Jack the Ripper. Um, anyway, Jack the Ripper's a magic alien cloud that travels from planet to planet, killing scared women. That's as dumb as anything that's happened in this project so far. What's up with science fiction writers and Jack the Ripper? I was Why are they so fucking stop into it? Jack stop the stepping Ripper? all over my nose. Okay, sorry. I I literally just finished a sentence that's as dumb as anything that's happened in this project so far. That's dumber than when the Vorlons put Jack the Ripper in storage so he could come out and judge people fit or unfit for the Shadow Wars in Babylon Five, and that was extremely dumb. <laughs> he was that was his penance for his terrible crimes. Uh huh. Yeah, I saw that one the other day. Oh, I'm watching the Avalon 5s again, in case you didn't know. Because nice. um, <clears throat> I needed a sixth hour of 
uh, sci-fi every two weeks. Um, the Miletus is another gaseous alien that can take on any physical form. We've seen some of those. Uh, the various future murder sprees in Kiev and then all the other planets that they talk about, that they attribute yep. to this fucker. Now the being can even control the ship's computer. This gets dumber and dumber. Uh, the elevator has a manual override, I noticed as well. Uh, there was some things in there, but I really hated them. No, oh, I see. Uh, <laughs> so for me, it's a two. <laughs> I see. Uh, what did you think of the characterization, then? Scotty the perv loves Argilius because it's full of belly dancer whores. He thinks Kirk is a good captain for trying to get him some. Scotty's from Aberdeen, and he won't applaud in any dumb alien ways. He only does it the Aberdeen way. That's right. He thinks he knows how to applaud. He was thrown against a bulkhead by an explosion caused by a woman. <laughs> Scotty believes... What do you think she did? I mean, do like, they know that this explosions ship is happen full on Star of fucking Trek? explosions? Yes, like <laughs> constantly. Enterprise is fifty percent tritanium and fifty percent explosions. So, <laughs> like, like five hundred explosions happen in a row. Then this one happened, and McCoy probably saw it and he went, "How oh, like a woman?" Yeah. By the way, clearly these are McCoy's issues and not Scotty's. That's exactly correct. Scotty believes this woman's powers are mumbo jumbo, but she's about to die anyway. Who cares? Um. Kirk the perv sets up his crew to get laid, because of course he does. Because he's a real bro. He won't interfere with the investigation as long as Scotty uh, is the uh, chief suspect, which is slightly more than I would have expected from him. McCoy's trying to <laughs> tell him to, to like beam him up and leave, and then Spock tells him the same thing. Yep. Everyone's like, nah, just, let's just get the fuck out of here. What just are they going to do? Just fucking peel out. Who cares? What are they going to do? It's just a dead ore. Who cares? <laughs> Uh, but then he just, um, he overlooks this weird looking, this weird looking white dude with the punched in face to accuse the guy in the turban who was her father. And yep. that seemed pretty racist. Yeah. He looked at the two of those guys and thought the nice musician with the bad teeth was probably the killer. Just goes right after him. He's like, I was like our father. It's like, oh, McCoy the perv is a-okay with a prescription for alien whores for Scotty under the fake pretext that Scotty hates women because a woman caused an accident that harmed him and this will help him get over it. Don't even know what to do with this and we're five minutes in. Spock suggests stealing Scotty and doing the investigation themselves, which is wild. He's like, yeah, but what the fuck do these guys know? Do they know the ancient Vulcan art of calling a dog witness? (laughs) So, like, we're more qualified to run this investigation. Oh, God, that fucking episode. <laughs> um, later, Spock says that women are better targets for the magic cloud because they're more easily scared. You know, I gave this a two, but this feels like a one. <laughs> I'm going to give it a one. <laughs> Woof. It's a real disaster. Uh, can you recount your scores for me? I think I screwed up the sheet. All right, that's okay. It's uh, I went three, one, two, one. Okay, three, one, two, one. All right, great. Perfect, in fact. Uh, I had given as many as four points for characterization. I thought Kirk and Spock were fine in this one. Spock suggested they steal him. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, just to find out the truth, though. He didn't just want to do a runner. (laughs) I'm not convinced. He just wanted to put him in front of the faultless, flawless (laughs) computer. Well, they ended up So he could just ask him if he killed that lady. They had their chance anyway. It worked out fine. 
Yeah. Uh, McCoy has had some questionable science before, but he seems like a raving loon in this one. Yeah. And I did not enjoy the high acting. No. I'm looking at you, Sulu. You did it. You did it so much better in the naked uh, time. Yeah, he was very loud. His performance could not be ignored. Yeah. Uh, I got some quick hitters. Okay. The belly dancing scene went on forever. Mm-hmm. Like, this episode came in real short, and they were like, can we just do more belly dancing? We know it came in short because of that whole last act. Yeah. McCoy just makes his psychology up, doesn't he? Like when he erased that woman's memory of her dad. Because <laughs> that's the treatment. That's the that's the standard treatment for that. <laughs> uh, this episode has the new record for worst stunt double. Hengist's stunt double is... <laughs> With the bald cap? Extremely poor. <laughs> so crazy. It looks bad. That could not have even looked good on a 13-inch TV. Don't, I don't want to hear it. That was terrible. Yeah, no. Um, I like Spock's computer trick to lock up the computer, but how did they get the ship's computer to stop doing that after Red Jack fucked off? Yeah, good question. Like, he locked the ship's computer into a cycle, right? Did they leave Spock behind to fix that while they went down to fuck some more ladies? Yeah, that's a good question. And then, Kirk murders Hengist. I already mentioned this. I guess he had already been declared legally dead by McCoy, so... You know, whatever, but like... He did a murder. I give best actor to Kirk, I guess, and uh, worst actor to uh, Dancer Daddy. Um, yeah, he wasn't very good. Um, give me them quickies. First words out of my mouth when this started. Oh well, fuck me. This is gonna suck. <laughs> yep. <laughs> as soon as that belly dancer started going, and you see the fucking. The three Turks playing their Turk music. <laughs> and then the three Starfleet guys just just eating it up. I also love the fucking censors in 1968 or whatever. Like, uh, she's got she's to gotta put a sticker over her belly button or we can't show it on TV. But she can do a belly dance for four and a half minutes. Yep, she can also be obviously a whore, explicitly mentioned as a whore, and die as a whore. That's all okay. And also, one character is bad for... N- having feelings about his whore girlfriend going off with this old man. Mm-hmm. All that stuff's okay, but we cannot see a navel. If we do, people will fucking riot. Put a sticker on it! <laughs> yeah, that is so fucking stupid. Hey, did they make Risa in TNG because they realized they could never send Starfleet back to Argelius after the events of this episode? <laughs> Otherwise, they're the same place, right? Sex on demand with alien whores, often assigned no. as therapeutic shore leave. No, they fucking realized they couldn't go to that uh, cabaret again and have the a belly dancer and the fucking Middle Eastern music and <laughs> oh, yeah, for socially. that to be cool on, in, on TV in 1987. Culturally, things change. That wasn't okay anymore. Because uh, it's the same place. Rice is the same place. Um, I mean, Rice seems just like a beach resort. Dude, it's sex on demand with alien whores again. Oh, yeah. Often assigned as therapeutic shore leave. I mean, it's not on... You You have to display the Horgon. To show that you are looking for... To, well, maybe to those are expensive. To the world that you're seeking Jamaharon. Maybe the Horgon's really expensive, so it's not free. It costs a buck. It could be, like... Riker probably asked Picard to pick him up a $3,000 souvenir, <laughs> and Picard doesn't know about money. No. He probably said, I don't have any money, when they told him. <laughs> 
Uh, I like that when Kirk calls Enterprise from the planet the first time, they show the ship flying by and play some victory music, like, Fuck yeah, Enterprise! Yep. Um, does Scotty have CTE? He, <laughs> he got a blow to the head, and now they think he might be capable of cold-blooded murder. Like, that's a huge personality shift. That really is. I wonder if he kills himself later on. Oh, no, we know what happens to him. The Janola. Mm, we know what happens to him up to the point of relics. Everything after that's not canon. Um, after the s- all the stuff with the all the Starfleet Corps of Engineers novels are not canon. Those sound tedious. I bet they're awful. Uh, okay, after the second murder, I put Scotty in prison for sure. Like <laughs> I, I mean, know, I know it's not great police work, but it feels like an open and shut case to me. Uh, there was one other door down there, and McCoy couldn't tell whether it had been unlocked recently. <laughs> Wait, didn't it go to the garden and it's been locked for years, or was that something else? Been, it went to the, there was a door down there that goes to the garden. Oh, here it is. Been locked, but why, it's been locked for years. Why has the door to the garden been locked for years? Why is there a door there? Dude, Prefect Jarrus hates gardens. <laughs> He's like, no one's allowed in the garden ever again. He lets the staff maintain it because what if the next prefect likes it? But like, but he's not. He doesn't go there. Like, it's just, they have to go the long way around. I already got a tough job. Now what? I gotta do some gardening on the weekends. I'm not into it. Um, I am so in the same boat with this whiny policeman. What the fuck is oh, happening? Yeah. And why doesn't anyone say it's stupid? Is this what is sh- any of this? None of this is ex- admissible as evidence. It's like is this shit for real? <sighs> you know, when we found out he was the bad guy, but still. <clears throat> uh, oh no, the stuntman with the bald cap. Oh no. <laughs> yep. Uh, did Kirk straight punch that policeman to death? I think it's not clear. Because he punched him and he, he died. He punched him. At some point, Red Jack left his body and he was dead. <laughs> Did he die and that's what made Red Jack leave his body? No, it's clear. I think he punched him to death. I think it was a one hit. Not a one hit KO. It was it. The guy's done. Um, well, did you, I mean, sure you heard the guy with the punched in face went, ooh. <laughs> and he should know. Uh... I already mentioned the thing about the knife being from Rigel 4, and who gives a shit? What does that evidence mean? Um, that's it. That's all I got. <clears throat> Wild episode. Really was. We've had a couple of real pieces of trash so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, but next, in the order, is Enterprise. Yeah. We watched The Crossing. <laughs> I wasn't expecting it. <laughs> was, no, did you have something in mind? That was an interesting choice. No, I didn't. I didn't have fun. Let's get them to swap our places. Anyway, <clears throat> a large ship Enterprise sensors can barely read approaches at warp six, which, remember, is faster than they can go. Yeah. It's not that fast, though. No, really. they're not that good. It's not in the Vulcan database, and they can't identify it or really sense what's inside it. But it opens these huge hangar doors at the front and just sucks them inside. Yeah. Uh, weapons and engines go offline. And the because the sensors can't penetrate the hull, they don't even know if the ship's still traveling at warp or where they are. So they take a shuttle pod out to the inside surface of the ship. And the atmosphere reconfigures itself for their comfort. And there are all these floating lights swarming around the ship. But nothing that their tricorders detect as life. Right. One of the lights 
passes in and out of trip. And he has a brief out-of-body experience. And he gets pregnant. Oh, it's a different episode. Sorry. Uh, He has what they think is a hallucination that he was in Tarpon Springs, Florida. Mm, that's probably with, not uh, the Miami part. That's probably. I didn't even write down the name of the woman he thought he was with. Yeah, Lisa, Nancy, <laughs> Kelly. Uh, I think it's uh, uh, Nanceline. Yeah, it's probably Nanceline. <laughs> uh, they take him to Flocks, and Flocks says, "I don't know. Everything seems to be okay now." And so Archer puts Trip to work uh, getting the engines online, and puts Reed to work getting the weapons online, and goes and uh, has a little chat with the people who begs him not to assume that their captor's intentions are hostile. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, don't just do not do the thing you normally do. Please. Right. These guys seem powerful. In engineering, Trip is swarmed by the lights again, and this time he starts acting real weird. So crewman Rostov calls the bridge and tells Archer what's up, and they track him to the mess hall where he's eaten like three dinners. Yeah. And Tucker seems to have swapped places with someone, and that someone explains that Tucker's off exploring another realm, experiencing things he never thought he could. Yeah. And he tells him that he is an explorer like they are. And uh, when Archer demands he release the Enterprise, they move the ship back out in front of it. He promises that Tucker's going to be returned, and now here comes that light and Tucker's back, and he's talking about... His dumb, hokey adventures through time and space. I forget if he said he was with Hopalong Cassidy or whatever his dumb... I think that's what he said. Another homoerotic adventure on the mighty Mississippi, basically. <laughs> right, exactly. On the old muddy. On the big muddy. Uh, and he offers everyone a, the chance to try this thing. To try what they call the crossing. Hmm. Hence the name of the episode. So Enterprise is sitting in space in front of this other ship. Engines are offline. And uh, Flock shows up and says, hey, one of these things tried to get into me, and it couldn't, but it really wanted to, and the whole thing made me very uncomfortable. I, re- I really, I got real Cosby vibes off of this yeah, guy. Flox was essentially R'd. The, the, someone tried to R him, but his body shut it down. Right. Because it was legitimate. <laughs> That's right. Uh, another light chases Reed down. And goes into him, and he becomes a super perv. Mm. And he shows up at T-Paul's quarters, and he's like, you're the hottest thing going on this ship. Take all your clothes off, I want to get bolt on. Get out of them clo- I can already see your cum gutters in your pajamas, but get out of them shit. <laughs> That's right, I want to see all of this. Yeah, and, um, let's see it. Again, I will say during your description, you can guess how I felt at this point in the episode. Uh, terrible? Nause- nauseated. Yeah, uh, uh, so angry. That I that I sharted. <laughs> well, I'm sorry to hear that. Uh, eventually, people figures out that this is not just Reed being an asshole. <laughs> right, it does take some time because he is kind of an asshole. Uh, and uh, Archer has Reed locked up in his quarters. Yeah. Uh, then they get Rostov, and now they're getting more and more crew members. And so... I forget what the final number is, but like 30 people end up getting locked up. Yep. Uh, Phlox and uh, T-Paul work out a way of using a tricorder to figure out who's been taken and who hasn't, but that doesn't, it ends up not mattering because they don't take it with them when uh, Mayweather discovers that the lights won't go into the the catwalk on the nacelles where mm. they were in catwalk. Right. They had and to everybody, reuse those sets, I guess. Everybody moves up to that shit, but they don't do a good job of scanning up there. 
it turns out. <sighs> T-Paul thinks that because she's a Volko and she's got mental discipline, mm. she's going to be able to resist these aliens. She's taking a chance because she's been mentally hard before. Yeah. But Archer's like, all right, go go on and try it. She has lots of uh, um, strongly held opinions about Vulcans. Yes. What they can do and what they know that don't really make any sense in reality. Yeah. She's been drinking the Kool-Aid. She's a team player like Ryan. That's right. But she's on Team Vulcan. Uh, and Flox uh, gets called by Hoshi, who's trying to do a trap. Yeah. And he knocks her out with a hypo spray. So I guess this is how he figures out that, like, when these guys are trapped in their bodies, you can do normal body stuff to them. Right. Uh, and with Flocks, it's a miracle he doesn't just say, let's just kill all of them. Right. So T-Ball has kind of a bad time with her encounter, but eventually she comes out of it and she's able to tell them, these guys, their ship is deteriorating and they can't survive in space. So their plan is to take over the whole fucking crew. Hmm. There are hundreds of them there, but there's only, you know, 89 of us or whatever. So they're going to take over 89 of them are going to enter us. And then I guess the rest are going to die in space or right. they're going to wait for another ship or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so at this point, Archer works out a plan with flocks to kill all of the crew that are down there. <laughs> Whoops. That's right. It's flocks. Suffocate them all with carbon dioxide and then hopefully resuscitate them. No one's worried about that part. Mm. Yeah, because you can but, you can definitely resuscitate 30 people at once. That seems pretty easy. Yep, but whoops. Trip was one of these old boys, and he's up in the catwalk with him, and he can hear the whole fucking thing. Mm. So he's he goes down on the ship, and now he and Phlox have to fight about turning on the carbon dioxide or whatever. But Phlox is successful, and we get to watch a bunch of people choke to death. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Then they vent the gas and uh, start to run from the ship, and uh, the ship opens up its maw to swallow the swallow them again. But they uh, shoot two missiles down it and <laughs> blow up the whole fucking ship. So, yes, they do. Matthew, what was this damn episode about? Be wary of strangers, which is a one. Unfortunate that the aliens in Enterprise are almost always bad, but that's what this episode is saying. Archer even spends time questioning whether he's just overcautious or downright racist. But no, these be bad guys, and you need to be very careful when meeting anybody out in the cosmos. It's like not all aliens are necessarily bad guys in Enterprise, but any alien that's more advanced yes. is a bad guy, for sure. Like on the fucking station, where they were, and that was a different body snatchers. Yep. They all trying to steal humans' bodies all the time. So, uh, hide your wife, hide your kids, hide your husband, too, because they're raping everybody out in here. Yeah. What did you think? Uh, I wrote, don't trust the others. <laughs> okay, good. We're on the same page here. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I disagree with you. That's worth zero points. <laughs> I almost no-taked it. I thought about no-taking Oh, no, oh, it's this not is a no-zero-point take. take. I it's a despicable take. take. Yeah, that is terrible. But at least that means I don't have to zero the execution score. Right. Yeah, because it's definitely what they were getting at. I don't think there's any I mean, question. it really is. Like, you just can't... You can't... There's If something seems too good to be true, or in this case, if something seems like something you don't want to do... Yeah. I mean, they never... So, okay, let's just get into it. Yeah. Execution. 
Okay, some big problems. Why does Archer know that the crew will return to their bodies once they're resurrected? Yeah. Just a guess? Yep. Yes. Why do these guys need a spaceship? Why are they going to die in space if they can cross between their ship and Enterprise even after it's out in front of them in space? Yep. How'd that happen? How'd they do that if they didn't have to go through space? From a plotting purpose. No one on the ship wants to do the crossing. Mm. No one trusts these guys to begin with. Yeah. So no one learns anything. You're correct. Yeah. And they couldn't have outrun the ship in the beginning. Nothing that happens on this is the result of anyone's choice or bad decision. So no one, it's not possible for anyone to learn anything in this episode. You're correct. Except that space is full of assholes. Yeah. So this is the even dumber version also of power play. That's just one more thing about this. There's a TNG episode we'll eventually get to called Power Play that is, I think, the root of the problems with O'Brien in Deep Space (laughs) Nine. It's ruined his character forever for no good reason. Um, And that's a body body swap swap episode. This is the much worse version of that episode. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For one thing, that that episode is when they're trying out Rolaren, so you get some Rolaren stuff in that one. It's Rolaren era. I hated this. I gave it one point for execution. <clears throat> it's totally fair. Uh, let's see. They straight murdered that whole ship at the end and didn't even bother with an outro about what a bummer that was. It literally yeah. just goes to the credits. Just like There's no outro. They just blow the ship up. Good. And then, we then the killed everyone the end. Um, we honestly, we don't even get to see that Hoshi and Reed are back to normal. <laughs> they don't bother. <laughs> or trip. I, uh... I hated the rapiness of Altered Reed. Please leave that out. I don't want to see that. The rest didn't make sense or continued to show a very cynical view of space exploration for Star Trek. Let's just call it a one. They weren't good. No, it's a real diaper of an episode. I, I'm very sad about the front the front scores on all the episodes so far. It's yeah, been it's been a, been a hell of a week. Uh, Tell me about world building. Maybe they did some world building. Uh, A ship 500 meters across is thought to be a large vessel to the Enterprise bridge crew. That's the length the nerds think an Excelsior is for reference. Length, but not width. Yes. Um, Why do these non-corporeal aliens that live in subspace travel around regular space in this big ship eater? Mm Mm-hmm. Like, why? Mm -hmm. Don't they live in subspace? Why don't they go there? Yeah, what does God need with a starship? Okay. Um, <laughs> they used to be physical beings, possibly humanoids. Um, the way they talk about the medical computer makes me think it's separate from the main computer in some way. Just the way they were talking about yeah. it. Um, osmium alloy in the catwalks near the engines, which the aliens can't pass through for plot reasons. Yeah, it's wild. Now they know the catwalks are super great, right? This is the second time. I know Osmium sounds fancy, but it's just a platinum group metal. This is the second time they've all had to go take shelter up in the catwalks? Yes. I assume someone's relaying this back to Starfleet. They're going to build the whole ship out of this shit, right? (laughs) Could be. Or just put a battle bridge in somewhere, right? Yeah, in a protected zone that is surrounded by this shit. Because every time they got trouble, they're like, go live in the catwalks. Nothing gets up there. Um, Phlox seems immune to almost everything. They should figure that out, too. Get some of that Phlox essence inside of everybody. Yeah. 
they gave an extremely detailed look at the shit Phlox was doing in those panels for some reason when he was uh, sabotaging the ship. And it was yes. kind of realistic, too, where he needed like really detailed instructions to figure it out because he ain't been in those panels before. Yeah, it's um, it's reminiscent of, but I think a little better than, the scene where they detach the deflector dish in... In uh, the board first one? contact? Yeah. Yeah, they're like, we're seeing some detailed shit, and like we keep getting these instructions relayed from Archer, and then he has to like read, he has to like give better instructions, because like, man, Flox don't know what he's talking about. And I was like, why did yeah. they put so much effort into something like this, and then make such a giant turd of an episode? Uh, again, well, let me just look at it. So, Enterprise's highest segment score. Oh, no, world building's its worst segment <laughs> score. Well, anyway. You know, I was going to say they do a lot of world building in this show. Um, its highest segment score is take. Wow. Well, not this week. I gave it a two. World building. Let's see. I just didn't think there was that much there. Uh, again, the suggestion that humans might evolve into non-corporeal beings mm. because these guys say, "Oh yeah, we used to be just like you." Right. Also, non-corporeal beings are once again perfectly killable. Yep. Yep. Just shoot them with a they, phaser, probably. They kept the catwalk control center. Well, that's good. And uh, they're 150 light years from Earth now. Okay. So. And we know they're in places where humans have not been. Right. So that that gives us a little something, a little look at something there. I give it the standard three. Okay. Character-wise. Yeah. I am also a three. Okay. Archer doesn't trust these guys from the jump, but at least we do get a hand-wringing log entry where he hopes he's not just a racist. Oh, don't worry, he's not, because they wrote all aliens to be terrible. Yeah. Yep. I thought Phlox was pretty good in the scene that suggested that the aliens want very much to take over their bodies. I thought he appeared... Uh, Flustered? Appropriately shaken by the whole thing. But half of the episode is people not being themselves. Yeah. And I don't feel like I learned anything about anyone here. Yeah. Unless you count that Trip has dumb cowboy fantasies and is from Florida. Florida is from Tarpon Springs. <laughs> I have my first line of characterization. Trip is from Florida. Yeah. <laughs> so just a three for me, but maybe maybe there was something in here you liked better. Yeah, Trip's from Florida. Obviously not the Miami parts. The other parts. Um yeah. Hey Trip, who the fuck's Lisa? No, it's Lisa. Why do you keep talking about Lisa? He talks about her a million times. Who the fuck is that? Who's Lisa? Yeah, is that the woman that he talked about that Reed that he talked about with Reed in the shuttle? I don't fucking remember. I'm just saying, like, N- yeah. How exactly. about some clarification on that? How will Archer handle this kind of forced exploration where these aliens are going into their bodies? Uh, uh, they claim it's because they're explorers. How much patience does he have in him? Archer at least questions whether he's open to taking these people at their word or if he's a racist when he's talking to his diary. Don't worry, though. They turn out to be bad guys. Yeah. Um, the only one that he shakes the shit out of is his female calm officer, just laying the groundwork for Kirk, I think. <laughs> Doesn't shake the shit out of anyone else in the episode, but he goes right up to Hoshi and just starts shaking her like crazy. Um, yep. 
And like you said, the rest of the people in the episode spend the entire time altered. Being aliens. Uh, except for Phlox, who uh, is fine. Um, it was a four for me. Okay. Based on Archer trying not to be racist. Yeah, it shows uh, at least some growth in terms of awareness. Like, am I just... What's going on here at all? Yeah. But it ain't him. Yeah. It's not him. It's all the bad guys. Yeah. What have you got, quick hitter-wise? I will warn you, I don't have many. Uh, Reed doesn't know how the atmosphere was altered. If there are no life signs, I guess he ain't heard of automation. Because they in that alien ship, and he's like, what? But who, like, flipped the switch, though? Who yeah. who altered the atmosphere? Like, someone had to be there to do it. It's like, nah, bro, that's... They can automate stuff. Um, Do they not remember that repair station they ran across? He does not remember it. Oh, okay. Trip's engineering jumpsuit was super wrinkly. What a slob. I just noticed it. He was walking around engineering. It was wrinkly as shit. Um, this Rostov guy has lines, so either he'll be back with more lines or he'll be dead soon. That's what I have written down. This is his last appearance. He's been in others. Um, this alien being committed... Oh, this alien being committed an HR violation within minutes of entering this dude's body. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he walked into that fucking turbo lift and he's like, you got different bits than me, huh? What's it... What's it like having a vagine? What's it like down there? Does it, what's, does it smell? What's it like? Um, what's it like to have titties? Why they gotta make this a sex track episode? Especially a rapey one. I, they cannot do it. I don't know why I have to keep saying this. I, I don't want it in my Star Treks. Keep it out. Um, I don't want to engage in any body shaming. But they are trying so hard to give us a look at those bolt-ons. And I have to say, mm-hmm. those things are ridiculous. They're very bad. They're really silly. <laughs> yes. The fake breasts are very silly. Like, what did she ask for when she was going to go under the knife? Like, make them look really solid. Like, two big lumps of iron attached <laughs> you know? to the front of my rib cage. Like, you just welded them on. The you firmer, the better. Gra- you know when you cut a grapefruit in half and it's still, it's got enough structure to be a perfect half sphere? Kind of like That's what that, I want. But I don't want it to ever to change shape no matter what's happening. Just that shape. Make sure my nipples are permanently hard. It's just, they look uncomfortable to walk around with. And I'm sorry, she's also a terrible actress. Is that fair? Those are my quick hitters. Yeah. Uh, did it take so long for T-Paul to figure out Reed was taken because he's kind of a creep normally? <laughs> That's what I figured. <laughs> she let him ask many creepy questions before she went, oh, it's the alien. And then uh, I sure hope all these crewmen don't remember being choked to death. <laughs> Seems pretty horrible. <laughs> Again, assuming that any of them were even resuscitated because the episode doesn't bother to show uh, We'll see next week. It yeah. could start with, uh, <laughs> with the death of 30 of the crew. <laughs> we had no choice. The aliens left us no choice. We're finally going back to Earth. Mm-hmm. I gave Best Actor to Taken Hoshi. Okay. I liked her little trap, her little broken leg trap. Right. Uh, and uh, Worst Actor to Rape Reed. Wasn't great to look at. No, he was doing a lot of pursed lip acting. Yeah, it's not great. And squint eye acting, and none of it worked for he me. He already looks like kind of fucking weirdo, so... Yeah. Alright, let's move on from this piece of shit. God. Yeah, we didn't spend a lot on that one, but that episode really sucked. Three, but Three for three so far. Next in the order is TNG, where this week we watched Up the Long Ladder...
Uh, Worf looks like he's going through like a man's period back at the <laughs> panel behind Riker. Uh, Riker goes and visits Picard in his ready room. Picard tells him all about this uh, this distress call that they've been picking up. This distress signal uh, that the the research team took hours to, to decode, but Riker knew off the top of his head it was uh, it was an SOS. Um, turns out it's like a super old signal, and it's Terran. Bob, like, pfft, how are they gonna? F- what they know Terrans out here? This is this is a wild uh, mystery. They go back out on the bridge, and Worf has uh, he's collapsed because his his warrior's period is too much for him, and yep. uh, so he's got to go down to sick bay, and he's got like hand, foot, and mouth disease or something. One of them, he's got mono. I don't know. He's got some kind of uh, youth illness. He's got Klingon measles. He's got the measles. He's got chicken pox. She describes it. And uh, he's super embarrassed about it. But she's as cool as she can be. And she tells Picard that uh, Worf's not sick. He was fasting for warrior reasons. And he overdid it. Which to me makes him sound stupid. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not sure that's what I'd want you to tell my boss, that I was too dumb to realize. Well, now I sound like an idiot. I couldn't, that I, that I needed to eat sometimes or something. <laughs> he forgot to eat. the measles, god damn it. I know. <laughs> but he was super embarrassed about that. I mean, he thought, what a, the greatest warrior in human history, Riker, what would happen if he got sick? If he got the measles? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um... Later on, this uh, will have made such an impression on Worf that he'll do the Klingon tea ceremony with her. And I think they're made it now? It's unclear what the consequences of the Klingon tea ceremony are, but yeah, I do think they are made it. Uh, anyway, back to this distress signal. Um, they find uh, they find the signals coming from some dang old planet out here where there shouldn't be any Terrans. That's crazy. Um, and guess what? There's some solar flares coming from their star that's going to burn them up to a crisp. So they gotta beam these people up. They send Riker down to talk to them. These guys have been out there for like 250 years, 300 years, whatever they say. I don't know if they know of what uh, Federation is. They, it seems like they probably won't. But they just go there and and um, Riker's trying to explain to Picard that there's some complications why they can't just beam them all up. But Picard don't want to hear it. So Riker beams a bunch of them up into the transporter room. Picard goes down to see them, and he sees, like, a crazy escaped chicken. Yep. And he and Worf hate that chicken. They look at each other, and they agree that that fucking thing has got to go. Worf is from a farm planet, right? Yeah. Gold. He he should have just gone over and picked up that chicken. <laughs> but I think he was kissing up to Picard. I think he sees the look on Picard's face, and he goes, oh, I hate chickens, too! Ah! Ah, the nerve! The chicken coming out here. Probably gonna give people measles. <laughs> if they got them, that's why. It they carry measles. It's not because it's not because they're inherently weak. It's because the chicken it spreads the measles. Uh, anyway, they go in there and it's some crazy old Irish people. The incidental music will tell you if you can't just trust the accent. I was waiting for Finnegan to show up. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> well, then they'd have to brawl, so I'm glad he didn't show up. <laughs> Uh, uh, they they won't leave their animals behind. That's the holdup that Riker was trying to talk to Picard about. They can't leave their animals behind because uh, how are they supposed to have a colony without their animals? So like they got they got to beam them all up. So they beam them all to the cargo bay, animals and fucking straw and all. Um, 
They go down to the cargo bay to make nice with these dudes. Uh, and there's just lots of stuff about how they're simple old rubes from fake Ireland. Yeah. Uh, and I guess they're going to have to transport them somewhere else. The the plot starts to thicken when they, uh, they hear tell of a second colony. Yeah, you're missing one part here, which is that the colony leader, whose name is not Darby O'Gill, but uh, da- Danilo Odell, Odell. <laughs> um, is, is scheming to marry off his pushy daughter. He doesn't like his daughter that much. And also, she is an asset to him because she is unmarried. So yes, he tries to marry her to Picard, who is not getting it or not interested. Um, That's okay, though, because she wants to bone Riker. Um, Yeah, Riker's super interested. He makes it clear that he's extremely interested. We will definitely get into all of that. Uh, Anyway, the guy's like, hey, so whatever happened to that other colony? And Picard makes a face like, oh, I think we just let that other colony die in a solar flare. No one told me there was a second colony. (laughs) He makes like a real embarrassed face that I could relate to. Um, Yeah, the mystery of the cargo manifest, which you did not discuss, but which was that the ship had a bunch of high tech shit on it and then also a bunch of spinning wheels. Yep. And Picard was like, why would anyone take both of these things? And now suddenly he's like, I should have thought about it for one more minute. Of course, it was for two colonies. Yeah. So they got to go look for this other colony now to make sure that they okay, I guess. Uh, they find him, and they go down to talk to him, and um, it's clones. They all clones. There's they're all clones. There's only five of them, but they're all clones. Cloning was not a part of their society that they envisioned, but only five of them survived their crash landing, so they really didn't have any choice. Yeah, they didn't have enough people to make all the babies they need, so they cloned the shit out of everything. And then, um, over time, they just went like, well, this is the way we've been doing it, and we ain't been doing the sex, so... We're not going to make babies that way. We're just going to keep cloning. Well, also, there are still only five of them. Yeah. That's the thing about clones. <laughs> right. Is, I mean, there are more than five physically, but as far as genetic pairings go, there are only five of them. Right. So they try to ask the Starfleet crew if they can have their delicious uh, genetic materials so they can make some more clones. But they get laughed out of the room. Riker hates them. Riker hates the idea <laughs> so much. Hates their guts. As soon as he hears the word clone, hates it, hates he's it. like, oh, fuck. He's like, fuck these guys. We this is unnatural. Them. It's an affront to God. We should probably just shoot some torpedoes down there and pretend like we never found them. Because fuck these guys. Uh, and Picard is so confident that no one will go for it. He doesn't bother to ask anyone. He just says, no, you won't get any uh, genetic material from us. So they're like, all right, can you at least um, fix some of our equipment for us? Because our equipment's breaking. And Picard's like, yeah, there's nothing Nothing ever happens when we send our engineers down to... to <laughs> nothing happened last week when we sent someone over to fix shit. So I'm so. sure it'll be totally cool this time. Like, literally last week. Uh, turns out it's not totally cool. Um, they, they've stunned Riker and Pulaski down on the planet and uh, steal their genetic material, their epithelial cells... So that they can make some more clones of them. They didn't do it to Jordy, I think because of his eyes. I hope it was because of his eyes. I think because of his eyes. They've got, there's already, maybe there's already one black that's guy enough there, for them. So it's probably not racism. I don't know. But if they unless, went, we already have the other, unless the four whites were like, we've got a black guy. We don't need another guy. black 
yeah, they don't take Jordy. Um, but Jordy's looking for him, and the prime minister or whatever lies to him, and he's like, "Oh, I haven't seen him. I definitely didn't just stun him, and then like I'm not doing a procedure on him right now." And Jordy's like, "Cool, all right, I'll keep looking for him." He gets back on another ship, and he goes straight to Riker and Pulaski, and he goes, "All right, what the fuck happened down there?" And they go, what yep. do you mean? And he goes, uh, I can tell when anyone's lying. This is a new thing that just happened this week, but we're going to act like this has always been the case. I know when people are lying. He knows when humans are lying. And, he can tell when humans are lying. And, like, that guy was lying to me, and he knew where you were, so what happened? And they suddenly go, oh, I actually don't have any memory of what happened down on the planet. I was feeling totally cool about what happened down on the planet, but now that I think about it... <laughs> I think about it, I have a huge gap in my memory. It is suspicious. Boy, it is. So Pulaski gets up, and she scans Jordy, and she says, Hey, good news, bro. You're not missing any epithelial cells. And Jordy goes, Cool. Good. <laughs> like, like, A, I don't know what you're talking about, and I don't want and to. And B, I don't want to engage. I, yeah, like, good. That's cool. I don't. I just came down to check on you guys. I'm actually going to leave. Uh, then she tells Riker that the bad news is he actually is missing epithelial cells, and so is she. Riker, at this point, I know I'm, I'm, I'm using so many like quick hitters here, but Riker strokes his beard and kind of looks at her and goes, "Meaning." <laughs> Riker, who just realized he has... He a... needs her to synthesize. So, <laughs> he has gone down seen... to the clone planet, has a gap in his memory, is missing his epithelial cells, which he just explained are used in cloning. And seen... he goes, what does that mean? <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought about this, but you're right. There's a scene in 30 Rock where Tracy Jordan is determined to win an EGOT. <laughs> he is the Tracy and... Jordan of this show. And he has, uh, Kenneth Parcell lists the name of everybody who's won an EGOT. And after every single name, he says composer. And then he says, uh, that's good data. Grizz, analyze it. <laughs> and then Grizz says, they're all composers. Yep. And he says, great, dot com, synthesize that. And he says, you're going to have to write one <laughs> song that's used in all of those things. Riker is asking, uh, Pulaski to synthesize it for him. I, I didn't want to get too deep into it, but I could, I mean, that was. That was wild that he did not know what she was talking about. This episode point. is so wild that I did not notice it, but you're right. He, all of the pieces were there. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, yeah, they stole them and they made clones of them. Riker does not tell anyone, doesn't tell Picard or anybody. He goes commando immediately. He and Pulaski go down to the planet. Um, they break into the lab, find the clones. Riker gets a good yeah, look at Pulaski's luckily, naked body. the lab is uninhabited. Yeah, no one's there. No one's working late, I guess. It's like, um, sometimes Marjan and I will walk through her lab at Vanderbilt, and she will have a disapproving look on her face when she sees all the empty labs. Because <laughs> she's like, why are working, these people working late? She's yeah. working at one in the morning, where's everyone else? Um, that's what happened. They walked through the lab, there wasn't nobody there. Uh, they find the their clone bodies. Riker gets a good look at naked Pulaski clone. Just looks at her whole body. So that's... That's going to be awkward later. Uh, and then he vaporizes the clones. Yeah, but maybe it's what she looked like when she was 20 or something. And she's like, you know, actually, Go ahead and take it could a look. be worse. Take a look, big boy. Uh, he vaporizes those why clones. Don't you, why don't you see what your daddy used to see? <laughs> um, then uh, right he, after they vaporize He, he murders his own clone. Yeah. Then he goes over to her clone looks at her, she nods, and he murders her clone. Yeah, yeah, they have agreed quietly to do some murder. <laughs> By the way, Theory Corner is going to have a lot to say about Pulaski and why she's not on the show soon. Granger comes running on yeah, in, right and at he's this like, moment. 
you you're a murderer <laughs> and Riker says like hell I am you're a damn thief <laughs> hold on though it gets better the guy explains why he took it and Riker suddenly looks kind of sad like oh maybe I was rash but like you already did two murders you can't like hell I am you're, you're a damn thief, thief. He's good at deflecting. He's very good at deflecting. Usually if you get accused of murder, you go like, oh, I'm in real trouble now. But he's just like, nah, I'm going to get into it. Oh, boy. Then they go up and they got to they gotta have a conference. <clears throat> they go to the conference room. And they're like, well, what are we going to do? I mean, these people are totally effed, right? Their society's boned big time. And we ain't yep. giving them our genetic material. We've made that pretty clear. Um... And then everyone is so pleased with the great idea they come up with, which is to sell these Bringloidy, these Irish people, as essentially livestock. I mean, (laughs) just to give them away to these people to use in rebuilding their society. And everyone's so happy. Troy is the most happy out of everyone. I think she's sensing all the joy in the room and, like... It's being magnified. She's, she's getting a little bit high she's off getting, of everyone's self-satisfaction. It's a self-satisfaction contact high that she's getting in that room. So they go, awesome, we got this all figured out. So they put those guys in a room together, the Prime Minister and uh, uh, Darby O'Gill. And, um, you know... Don't forget that Picard threatens to beam up all of the guy's cloning equipment yeah. and hold it hostage if yes. he doesn't agree. Uh, gets them in a room and they trade barbs. Uh, that guy doesn't want the Irish guys to help him with his colony because one, he doesn't like fucking anymore, and two, who wants to fuck those guys? And the Irish guys like you a nerd. <laughs> I think was his main objection. That <laughs> was the main point. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and then so Picard does tell him, "Well, look, it's this, or we steal your equipment and you die anyway." And even if you keep your equipment, you die soon. However many generations you have left before Pulaski has described your whole society. Right, they have a problem. They have a problem called replicative fading, Mm -hmm. where because they keep cloning clones, they just get worse every time. Right. So uh, I don't know. They it's a they force them into it real Kirk style. They gonna they gonna make a great society together. These these smelly old Irish people and uh, and these clone nerds. No one will ever check to see how this goes. So, um, what was this one? The only way forward is the middle way. The Bringloidy gave up too much of humanity's progress to survive a technical threat. Mm. The Mariposans gave up too much of humanity's past to survive a different one. Yeah. This take sucks. Okay. It's just like... What were those commercials where someone used to say, stay with the herd, stay with the herd? Oh, yeah, I kind of remember that. I don't remember what remember, that was. I forget what those were commercials for. Like a super cool Inter- brand of socks or something. <laughs> like, if you own these socks, you're cool. But that's the message here, right? Which is, just do whatever's mainstream. Like, <sighs> Yeah, don't be so stupid and Irish. Be like us. And you, don't do the dumb things you're doing. Be like us. Just be like us. Picard and Riker have a fun little giggle about how backwards the Bringloidy are. They really, 
Picard can't keep it together. <laughs> he can't. For, like, he can't even for like stand. a minute. He has to brace himself. He goes and leans on some shit. He he doesn't do it, but if you told me, do you remember how in that scene Picard slapped his leg? I would say, <laughs> yeah, I think I do remember that. Because that's what's going on there. Yeah. And their disgust at these cloners is amazing. Mm. Again, the instant Riker hears anything about this, he wants... He he sees red for sure. He wants these dudes to be uh, dead people. So th- this episode is just uh, conform, and that's a shitty take, and it's a two point take for me. Okay, I was pretty proud of myself. I reverse engineered a fat five. Oh God, let's hear you it because I would love to hear it. Okay, this is a message. I now understand the difference in our scores. By the way, okay, this is a message against a homogenous society. All right. Like, in the end, Picard tells them that all of their differences, humanity, is what has made them stronger. And in this case, it's going to be the salvation of this dude's society. And he also refers to these dudes as bigoted when they don't want to deal with the bring Lloydy. Who, no one is more bigoted against than Picard, by the way. <laughs> He's not into them. Um, so, I think, if you wanted to... You could look at this as being like all you foreign countries that only want to have one race, you're doing it wrong, and all you racists in our country, you're doing it wrong, because you need to. Um, it's actually a strength to meld your societies together, and like that's how we move forward. That's a five. <sighs> if mean... they'd actually done that take, it would have been more points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, your uh, your take, which is. Melting pot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is a good Star Trek take. I just what were the But then he's who, so racist the whole time. Who were the bring Lloydy in this one? What which were version are they doing? They're um Because they uh Odell wants to marry his daughter off to these federations. Yeah, we're for sure. Didn't he, he's not okay, anti integration. Right, listen, listen. All of the whimsical incidental music lets us know uh-huh. they're doing it right. Oh, I see. They're, they're the good guys. They're the good guys. Yeah. It's not Picard and Riker who hate everyone. So they are going to be forced to become polygamous. <laughs> they're okay with it. They like it real good. The guy's very happy. Yeah, horny old Dan- Danilo Odell and his even hornier daughter Brenna are into mm-hmm. it for sure. She's into it when she finds out he's a prime minister. Three husbands, you say? Yeah, I see. She's into this stuff. So it all works out because they're the good guys and they got the right opinion. Look, I told you it was cooked. It's cooked. Uh, don't put me it's under the, for don't sure. put me under the fucking space lie detector on this. No, it's okay. I cook myself plenty of takes. We all we there's no other way to do this project but to cook takes sometimes. Just to go into execution, I, yes, there's please. nothing else I can draw out of this nasty old hole. So <laughs> everything about the way Picard, Riker, and crew deal with both of these societies shows how fucking hypocritical that take would be. Because yeah, this are. is a real anti-Federation episode. Like, if these guys are the exemplars of the Federation, <laughs> I'm Maki. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They are mad. I'm going to put on those weird colored casual clothes and join up. They are mad racist against everybody who does things at all different from the GD Starfleet way. So that's a problem. Um, this episode was a garbage nothing. With lots of good small touches, some good dialogue, some yes, bad that's... music. The unfortunate thing about that is that this episode was very enjoyable to watch. Some bad music, horrible moral, ethical decision-making. 
Just every single one is wrong. It's just bad. It's bad, 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 but I really enjoyed it. I gave it a three. Okay. Um, I'm a little less okay. rosy on this one. You should have cooked a take. The huge, glaring, awful plot hole in this episode <laughs> uh-huh. is that Picard doesn't have to solve either of these colonies' issues today. <laughs> There's no ticking clock on this one. There's no clock. Yeah. The, the If the Mariposans continue, that's the cloners, yeah. continue as they're going, then they their society will be dead within three generations. <laughs> <laughs> and they can just take the Bringloidy somewhere. We know. The, they take them to whatever Dray-Lon that planet three, is dude. Cisco gives away. Hey, do you want to live on Draylon 3? Go live on Draylon. That's right. Someone Neither will probably ask him that, and then Odell will go, can I make whiskey there? <laughs> and Worf will well, tell him. That's all this stereotype cares about. That's right. Yeah. Uh, there's no reason. Picard is lazy. He wants to solve this problem right now. Oh, they not, have no, years to solve it. Not just lazy. He also really hates them. And I think he wants them to go away. Yeah. Forever. If he can, uh, like, if he can arrange it. The, it would be so easy for him to just stay in contact with Mariposa. They fixed their clone equipment, so they'll be good for a little while. Mm-hmm. Find some colonists who want to go live there, and also give the people on Mariposa years to get used to the idea that they're going to have to start doing it again. Right. But instead, he's going to push these idiots together. Oh, it's, and, it's so Kirk, what he does. And, and Pulaski's like... Ah, and by the way, every woman is going to have to have uh, children by three different men. Mm -hmm. So, uh, hope you don't mind. Uh, We're not just turning your society upside down, Bring Lloyd and Mimiraposans. We're turning the Bring Lloydy society upside down, too. So, enjoy that. That'll be fun for everybody. I mean, you make a good point. Why not just bring both of these societies back into the Federation, where there are plenty of breeding stock? Yeah. And then and nobody then, has way, to do more than one person at a time if at the, all. If the Mariposans want to go start another colony, mm-hmm. fine. Yeah. Fine. Get some new colonists. You can fucking interview them. Make sure they have the same weird pro-science values that you have. Shouldn't be hard to find. Yeah. Might be rough that they're all smarter than you, because they have not been isolated from the Federation it's for 250 like years. almost like he's pursuing a Janeway agenda of setting things right. Like, these two yeah. were initially on the same ship. Let's put them back together. Oh, he says it. <laughs> like, let's say but it like, in the he baby. says it like, oh, isn't it ironically fitting that these two are going to end up together again? Whereas it's like, there's no reason that has to happen. It's not ironic. I mean, you forced the whole thing on purpose. So, so that sucks. But then there are many other problems with this episode. Mm, yeah. Odell is a fucking clown. He pulls faces and goes, <laughs> when he drinks Klingon whiskey. They play the Finnegan music. They play the Finnegan music a lot. Riker does two murders. Riker does two murders and pops boners in front of everyone. Yes. It is arguable. It it is uncertain to me whether the Prime Directive applies, but Picard does the opposite of it. (laughs) Yes, I have to see my notes too. (laughs) And maybe there's no case law. You can make a fucking call to Starfleet and be like, how do you think we should treat these like these people from are, 300 years ago who've never they left earth pre-federation yeah. uh like 
it's it's is it crazy that I want to force them to start fucking and also leave and just leave them to their own devices here and not try to reintegrate them? Let them see what the Federation has made of humanity. Yeah. I gave it one for execution. Okay. All right. It's just such a diaper. It's such a diaper no, of an it's episode. Terrible. It's a horrible episode that I was looking forward to for so long. Having said that, I gave it a five for world building. Oh, okay, so, there's points. We learn about the European hegemony. Mm. We learn about neo-transcendentalism, yep. which we've already seen one person with this philosophy, the woman who puts Cisco in a box. Yes, in the DS9. We yeah. didn't see that. The Klingon tea ceremony. I love it. Yeah. That's the Klingons I want, by the way. She wants him to read some of that love poetry. I like that too. <laughs> Starships are self-cleaning. We've got two class M planets within half a light year of each other. Mm-hmm. We've got a discussion of replicative fading. And then Jordy can tell when a human is lying for whatever reason. Yeah. I think on balance, we learned a lot about the uh, history of Earth. Yes. And... Then there's that good Klingon stuff, and that's why it's a five. Yeah, I was close. I have it as a four. Um, more than the usual that we get, uh, specifically with the Earth history timeline stuff. Let's see, anything in there? Uh, Admiral Moore uh, is who he was working with on that uh, SOS. Um, uh, let's see, Picard describes it as an old Terran code coming from the Ficus sector. That's a plant, though, right? I mean, it is. Okay. Uh, yeah. Maybe the maybe there's a nebula out there that looks like a ficus, and that they call it the ficus nebula, and then the ficus sector. Uh, European he- he- hegemony, twenty second century, so probably after Cochrane, but before Archer would be my guess. Seems to be the uh, code was in use from twenty one twenty three to twenty one ninety or something. So the code is definitely post Enterprise. Yes. But the we don't we don't know what the years for the European hegemony are. Yeah, they eventually find out when Data does his research that this ship, the Mariposa, launched in twenty one twenty three. Again, Liam Deegan, new transcendentalists, I believe in returning to the old ways. Um, the Klingon tea ceremony, what it entails and represents. How does the Prime Directive work here? Aren't they supposed to let these fools die, or because they're human, it's okay to do what they like with them? Yeah. Uh, fire suppression force fields. These clones, society, the clone society, and all that background. Um, again, Picard is so sure that the opinion of the crew is that they will not cooperate and give up their genetic material that yeah. he doesn't even bother to ask. A thousand people on that ship doesn't even ask for volunteers. You know, there's weirdos out there who'd be like, "I'm into it. I love it." Hey, you want there to be another me? Be Hell four, yeah! Gonna be five hundred me's. Do it. I'm cool. You tell me Mott the Barber wouldn't volunteer? <laughs> That's right. That guy would be into it. Uh, Can I fuck my clone? <laughs> Can you make me want to fuck? Uh, again, you, uh, Jordy can... My tongue's cartilaginous. Jordy can now tell when people are lying. Not pack led never people, I guess. It'll never come up again. The pack leds he wasn't so good at, just humans. No. He says it really is only effective for humans. Why has this never come up, though? Ugh. Because they've got trouble <laughs> for that. But for some reason, she wasn't on this mission. Uh, so again, kind of a lot. Some of it meaningless. I gave it a four. Uh, characterization. Always my longest section on TNG. Yeah. Animal Wharf insists Klingons don't faint. 
mad ashamed of being sick and again seems to think of Riker as the warrior ideal amongst humans. Yeah. Uh, he's all braggy about Clint. Well, it's because he's seen him play Ambo Jitsu. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Sorry, that scene is still so wonderful. He's seen him do... That his dad... Well, he's seen him protest about Hachidan Kiritsu. <laughs> that his dad has to tell him it's the evolution of martial arts. The as ultimate if, evolution of martial arts. They've never done I, it. I fucking, I know. They've never done it before. Why do you say this every time? I understand. But you're a runaway, Lisa. Remember, oh, you didn't see that episode of MacGyver. That's something Katie and I always say to each other. Oh. There is one, literally, where one teenage girl says to another one, But you're a runaway, Lisa. Remember? <laughs> Remember. Uh, Worf is all braggy about Klingon love poetry again, because he was just reading about it on Wikipedia earlier. Yep. Um, again, kisses up to Picard by hating that escaped chicken. Uh, cheers to Worf for pointing out that if that guy had been under the fire suppression system, he would have been standing in the fire. He would have been standing in the fire. <laughs> I thought that was excellent. <laughs> again, this episode is full of small touches, and it's such a garbage episode. Um, Neither of us have said it, but when Riker meets Brana, yeah, love music plays. Yes, it does. So we know that he's in love, and he stares at her, and she asks him, "What's the matter? Have you not seen a woman?" <laughs> and he, all of his friends are yeah, everyone's there. Picard and Worf are right there, and he says, "I thought I had." <laughs> Just perving out too. Damn. I know. I know. I'll get to it. I'll get to it. In front of Picard. Uh, just last note on Worf, he was crushed by the lady folk laughing at him. After the lady yells at him, and then uh, all the other ladies laugh at him, and he has to get out of that room as fast as he can. Yeah. Pulaski has, like, uh, a below-average bedside manner. Doesn't know how to not annoy people. Yes. But like everyone in Star Trek, she knows everything about Klingons, including the tea ceremony. Um, I like Picard giving Data the Riker treatment. The treatment that Riker always gives Data, just looking at him like he's a disgusting turd. Yep. That's what he does a lot in the uh, first few scenes. Yeah, Data does a thesaurus in this one, doesn't he? He does a lot of it. Uh, Then he gives Riker the Riker treatment when he's trying to say that he'll have to beam up 50 pigs or whatever. And uh, Picard's just going, just shut up and do it. Uh, And then as usual, Picard shits on everybody less advanced and laughs his ass off at these dudes. Okay, to Riker. Riker cannot control himself and bones out hard as soon as he sees this Irish chick. Like you said, right there in his little jumpsuit in front of Picard and the computer and everybody. (laughs) And the way he says the ship will clean itself is rapey. The look on his face and the way he's talking, she should go away from him. (laughs) On the plus side, he seems to be more... Yep. From what we've seen uh, from the Bring Lloydy, I'm guessing that their gender politics is not too great. It could be. She's probably pretty used to it, is what I'm saying. He he seems to at least be more evolved than the likes of Trip and Reed, because when she asks if he doesn't like girls, he doesn't, like, rage strangle her. That's true. He Can j- you imagine asking Malcolm oh Reed? Oh my god. That would be it. What, are you gay? Ooh. I'm not a gay! And he would just kill her, and that'd be it. Um, but Riker just goes, huh? No, sure I do. Like, why do you ask? <laughs> what? No, big into him. What's okay. going on? I like ladies. What are you talking about? Riker, 
like myself, thinks twins and triplets are wizards and should be stopped. <laughs> he is so suspicious. He goes, twins? Like, fuck this, I'm Identical out. Identical twins? Beam me back what? up. I'm not going to be on the planet with a set of twins. <laughs> then when it's triplets, he loses his shit. Um, he, um, he knows one of them must be evil. <laughs> That's right, exactly. I mean, there's nothing you can do. Also, there's, prob- there's incest. We all know it. No one wants to talk about it. If you have oh, twins, twins, they're doing each other. Uh, even if it's identical twins? Yep. Cause or it's, especially cause, if it's identical yes, twins? Yes, especially, because then they feel like it's like doing yourself, it's totally fine. But it's not. Mm. Anyway. Also, he thinks one Will Riker is special. <laughs> which is kind of a lot. He borrowed that speech from Data. Yes, he did. He remembers that trial where he was space lawyer Riker. <laughs> Don't worry, he will be again one day. Simon Tarsis. He must really bust his fucking chops when it turns out he's not the only Will Riker, huh? Oh my god, that's right. I hadn't thought about that. Too many Rikers, bro. Yeah, there's an episode coming up uh, oh, called not. Too Many Rikers. I mean, it's not, but it should have been. He's not going to be special anymore. He hates the idea of cloning, but we'll soon realize he's willing to do more than just insult this clone guy. <laughs> yep. Then, um, again, he tells nobody he's been cloned. Just goes commando and zaps the clones he finds. Then when the guy goes, we have a right to survive, Riker looks around like, oh. <laughs> I wish, oh. If you told me a few minutes ago, I might have. All right. Oh, what, you're not just perverts? <laughs> you're a damn thief. You're, like hell, you're a damn thief. <laughs> um. O'Brien has been trying to clean up these dudes' act, the Bringloidy, so everyone doesn't associate him with them. <laughs> He's real embarrassed by these chodes. He's like trying up. to get them off the booze. And... And the guy's like, oh, a fellow Irishman. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, O'Brien's like, no. I thought I no. left all this behind. These guys think I'm sort of cool. So I get invited to play poker and shit. He's like trying to get them off the booze, and he gets them on the synthetic stuff. Warfun does all of that. Yep. She just takes the guy right over to the replicator and goes, no, here's where you get the real booze. Please drink up. O'Brien took one look at Odell's busted-ass <laughs> capillaries, and he's like, let me tell you about Synthahol. <laughs> you look like you've got the problem, so. <laughs> um, Jordy can tell when people are lying, but he played it way cooler than any of these other idiots would have. He's just yep. like, oh, all right, well, you know, I'll yeah, keep looking. He goes up there and he go, and they're like, yeah, why are you worried? And he's like, because every time I asked where you were, some clone lied to me. And like in that scene before that, you would not have known that. He literally no. is like, hey, have you seen uh, Commander Riker and uh, Dr. Pulaski? And the guy's like, no, I haven't seen him. And he's no, like, he got that okay. ability during the commercial break for sure. <laughs> exactly right. In the, in the commercial break, he read the script and he went, oh, okay, I got it. Oh, I was supposed to know that he was lying? Yeah. Oh, okay. I would have played that diff. Well, it's not worth re- re- re-blocking for that set, for that shot. And then again, we talked about it. Everyone in the room, but especially Troy, is so pleased when they hatch this plan to give away the Bringlordy. Um, then they all act really cold and tell these guys they're destroying themselves, and it's fine because they don't care anyway. Yep. <laughs> like, well, you're going to die soon, and you know what? That's fine. We don't like you. Uh, so a huge combination of troubling and entertaining for this characterization. Um, I gave it a five. <laughs> Right. Now, to be fair, I did go back and look at um, Times Squared, where there was a murder, yes. and we each gave it a six on characterization. 
Yeah. And I went to the episode Tuvix. Here's the thing, here's the thing about Times Squared. I fucking understood why Picard was so messed up about what was <laughs> happening. Because there was a theory corner involved. Yes, whereas in this one, it's just pure bigotry. Hold on, hold on. Then I checked Tuvix, where there was also a murder. Uh-huh. And I gave it a five. Okay. So I felt like so you this, feel justified. this is in line, I think. <laughs> I'm, um... I'm a little less bullish on this one. I gave it a three. Okay. So there's not even an attempt made to explain why everyone's so disgusted by cloning. No. Or a call for volunteers from the nearly 1,000 people who weren't in that conference room. I thought that was that laughing scene with Picard and Riker was pretty good. It was real naturalistic when Riker chuckles and says it wasn't the reaction he thought he you know he thought he'd get. Yeah. I thought Worf was a little bit of a mix because the very first scene is extremely dumb, but he kind of returns to more season one on the ball Worf for the rest of the episode. Yeah. With the standing in the fire and the tea ceremony, et cetera, et cetera. You'd be standing in the fire. <laughs> yeah, um, suck it, dude. <laughs> pretty pretty good Jordy in this one, but on the whole, it's about a three. It's just that Picard fucks this one up so bad. Um, I don't and know. Riker does a murder. Yes, that is unquestionable. He does a, he does a couple of murders. So they do some shit that I'm not happy uh, with. All I'm saying is, one. we'll never go back and check. Maybe it worked out fine. <laughs> it's true. Maybe he saved those societies. Who knows? Also, this planet's only half a light year away from the one that was getting rocked by those solar flares. Is it going to be okay in the long term? <laughs> Hard to say. Should they have moved? Uh, they're going to come back later, and they're going to think they're on SETI Alpha 3. I think that's what's going to happen. But... There is no SETI Alpha 3 or whatever. It's 6, but that's fine. I don't remember. <clears throat> We're in the ballpark here. This is SETI Alpha 6! <sighs> What's one of the three good ones, guys? Mm-hmm. He put, puts a dang old worm in his ding dang ear. <laughs> you got any quick ones? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, everyone on the bridge is like, What's the matter, Worf? You need to see a doctor? <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Um, oh, <laughs> Odell says, "All right, everybody, back up on the infernal machine." <laughs> yeah, he was. Which he is, was totally cool with the whole thing. Everything that he's cool with everything. Yeah. He's like, "Yeah, uh, our ancestors made a bad decision. <laughs> it was all very stupid, and we've been paying for it." Oh, you got replicators? God damn it! <laughs> That's better. God damn it! That's better than what I've we been, got. I've been eating goat stew. <laughs> Again, even when the guys are being a real nerd and he doesn't like that, he's still totally cool with all the arrangements that that are made. Uh, Worf several times expresses some admiration for Brenna because of her, her feistiness. I think the only reason he isn't reading love poetry to her is because he was there when Riker put the moves on her. That's right. And he's got an obligation to his buddy. He'd have to ask permission, you know. Everybody on Mariposa is wearing a suit jacket five sizes too big, like they're in a fucking... <laughs> Uh, David Byrne music video. Thank you for saying David Byrne because I I totally thought that we saw I, I, we saw David Byrne recently in concert and he was wearing some big oversized coats. Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. I, but the problem was I my first my mouth wanted to say David Lynch and I knew that was wrong. <laughs> You're like that's not the one. Uh, I wrote that that jacket looked like it was made for Shaq. <laughs> um. Rich, when Picard says he's not going to allow bigotry to destroy this meeting. Yeah, no one's more guilty. No trace of irony in that. Very hypocritical. Uh, Yes, Pulaski, Starfleet is probably going to have a lot of questions about this decision. Let's never tell them about it. Like, wait, what? (laughs) And you did what? Huh? 
And why didn't you fucking call us? You never called. How are we supposed to explain this to the actual civilian government of the Federation? (laughs) That exists, you know. Uh, But here's the the thing that rocked my world. At the end, you see a dude playing the concertina in there. Oh, yeah. Everyone in the cargo bay was hearing that Darby O'Gill music the whole time. That's right. That was not. It was not incidental music. It was not incidental music. That was diegetic. Everyone in the cargo bay could hear that shit. That was like when Picard was listening to that audio book. What? This is the music we like. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I got some. Uh, I gave best actor to Riker and worst actor to Odell. Yeah. he He's a cartoon character. He's doing cartoon. Yeah. I hope that wasn't director's notes. No, no, more Irish. The director said that he loved this episode oh, because boy. he didn't have to tell anyone to pull it back. <laughs> because they <laughs> no, were just didn't. going with it. No one pulled it back at all, so you can tell. Well, he didn't tell him, and he's justifying it by saying, oh yeah, that's the, that's the episode I wanted to make, was this fucking clown car. Give me them quick hitters, I know you got them. Uh, let's see. When was the last time one of these didn't open with a captain's log? This one does not. Yeah, it's a rare pattern. No explanation of what they are doing or why. It just opens with uh, Angry Wolf. Worf grunting on the... Standing standing back there going, Argh. Yeah, and then, like you said, someone goes, what, do you need a doctor? No, I they, they didn't say Trying that. to work here. That was their attitude, like the time I had my mm-hmm. appendectomy. Um, I like Melodramatic Wharf talking about dying from the shame of having the Klingon hand, foot, and mouth disease, or mono, or whatever. Um, yeah. 200 people doesn't seem to be like... A great number for a 250-year-old colony. No, but um, I, I think that maybe they don't they don't talk about the trauma they've been going through, but they definitely had to retreat to some caves because of these solar flares. So it's possible that things went bad before this. But I, I did type after that, I don't know their specific challenges, and I guess it's mean of me to say those opinions. So right. I didn't mean to be too judgmental about the number of people. Um, I mean, look, three of them were pregnant when they came up. So <laughs> these people like it. to fuck. They're working on it for sure. There probably were a lot more that got killed by solar flares. And for some reason, they didn't think that was worth bringing up. No, they all seem pretty jolly. Nah, the Irish. Um, when Riker saw that sexy Irish lady and popped a fat bone, I just said out loud to myself, Oh, Riker. Like, I was so disappointed. <laughs> You know, Riker's usually pretty good about consent, mm. but uh, there's a real power dynamic here. Yeah. This woman, it's unclear whether she can read. <laughs> yes, it is. We know, we know, look, we don't see her reading. It could be like Star Wars, where maybe Luke Skywalker's illiterate. Oh, yeah. Uh, and they just rescued her, and... Her whole world is living inside Cargo Hold 7. So maybe she shouldn't, you know. And they have no no agency as to what is done with them. It's creepy, and no one cares that he fucks her because they all know he fucks her. So. Yep. Uh, These colonists. He takes her and only her on a tour of the ship that ends in his quarters. Now, yes, once they're in his quarters, she comes on to him. Yeah. But she, I think but she knows what the plan is at this point. He fucking took her to his quarters. Yeah, it's not great. Um, these colonists have a huge fucking ego. Nobody came to check on us? That means 
the whole earth has been destroyed. Yeah. Nah, bro, they just don't care about you. They're probably glad you're gone. Nah, you know how you guys fucking left Earth because it sucked there? Yeah. Well, it kept sucking a little while longer. And also, they thought you sucked, so, you know, that's why they didn't come to check on you. Uh, was Palaki, was she kidding with that secret scan? She just whipped... <laughs> because it was so not secret she at all. whipped that thing right in front of that guy who was looking in her direction. It and then blinks it went, and makes noise. And then she went, woo, 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 woo. <laughs> it blinks and makes noise. Did you think no one was going to notice that? It's like if we hadn't seen this, like... They should have just showed a, a quick close-up of her dropping that thing back in her pocket. Mm-hmm. And then just had the reveal of her asking, is your whole society made up of clones? Yeah, that would have been more dramatic. But they then don't know what they're doing. having her scan the guy. <laughs> I mean, it was loud. That guy didn't go, how the fuck's that? What's happening? Huh. You uh, scanning me? You got that blinky thing. Oh, I'm, uh, I'm getting scanned. I got you. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm a clone. We should have led with that, probably. <laughs> yeah, I'm a clone. Everyone here's a clone. So don't worry about it. Um. Uh, I already talked about Jordy just going, great, when Velosky when tells him about his cells not missing. I don't know what that yep. means. I don't really care, but that's cool. He's he's not engaging. But even he was sharper than Riker. Yeah, so then Riker not being able to connect the dots. Uh, and then uh, him sneaking a, a peek at naked clone Pulaski. All right, that's it. That's everything. Uh, so theory corner. Ooh, okay. Uh, things just keep getting worse for old Pulaski. Yeah, it is not a surprise now that she's She came done. to this ship because she had a big old crush on Picard. Mm-hmm. That's not working out the way she thought it was No, it gonna. turns out he hates her and doesn't want to be anywhere near her. He, he hates her. She saw him do a murder and I guess has decided not to do anything about it. And now, now she's done a fucking murder. She at least nodded her head like, yeah, please murder. And now they're fucking abandoning this one colony with the other colony and just like, you guys figure it out. It's just like when Kirk said to all of those uh, children of Vol, oh, you'll figure it out. You'll figure out the sex thing. It's you'll you'll get this all worked out. Yeah. So she, this is, we are reaching peak disillusionment for, for Pulaski. Here. Yeah, she needs a desk job somewhere just where she doesn't have to go out to space, I think. Yeah, she's going to have to, She's she may already be wording her transfer request in her mind she's she's gonna go to where aquiel went yeah uh one more yeah last week's winner was deep space nine surprising uh won a couple in a row actually so this week getting it going we watched the collaborator I think when we started out, this was my favorite theme song, and Voyager was your favorite theme song, maybe? Uh-huh. How do you feel about it now? Uh, I still think Voyager... God, such a bad show. I wish Voyager the show was about what the theme song's about. I think you're right that the theme sets a very good mood of exploration. Yeah, the theme like is like, oh, the wonder and majesty of deep space. We're going to meet all these new people. It's going to be... What, what an adventure we're going to have. And then the show is garbage. Um, there is a well, lot of cool horn action in the DS9 one. Well, we'll see. And I think it, we're roughly a year from getting to the episodes where the DS9 theme changes. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see what happens then. But in this episode, Vedic Barile has a bad trip with one of the orbs. <laughs> yep. 
And after banging one out with Kira on DS9, he asks her if she's going to vote for him in the upcoming election for the new Kai. Mm. So this thing is imminent. Yeah. It's like this week. That's right. It's November, everybody. Vedic Wynn is in town, too. And she does some sparring with Beryl and some side-eyeing at Kira. Well, DS9's a swing state, so everyone's campaigning there. I think that's what's going on. Like, how many Bajorans are on this station? Why are they here? This doesn't seem important. Yeah, they should be campaigning. Um, and Kira reminds her that she was implicated in the last attempt on Beryl's life, etc. Meanwhile, a Bajoran accosts an old man and accuses him of being a collaborator named Kubus Oak. Mm-hmm. It's a good name. Defensive end, South Carolina. Kubus Oak. <laughs> Odo arrives and identifies him positively and takes him into custody, though not before the man exchanges some kind of glance with Vedic Wynn. Mm. It's so difficult for me not to call her Kai Wynn. You know what's coming. I do know what's coming. That's how I think of her is Kai Wynn. Yep. Uh, Beryl has another vision in which Opaka and someone named Prylar Beck. Right. I assume Prylar is a title. It sounds like it. It seems like it's a title. It's, it's a type a, of priest. It's not right? a cool name like Cermak. A Prylar is below a Vedic in some way. Yeah. Give him a snake, and the snake turns into a noose. So you know, pretty standard dream sequence stuff. Yeah. But remember, this is an orb, so this is a prophecy. Well, don't worry, because uh, Bajor snakes are the same as Earth snakes, so we knew exactly what was happening. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's all the same. Kubus and Odo get into an argument about Vichy Bajor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And Kira arrives and announces that he was sentenced to exile and he has no right to return to Bajor. Okay. Uh, Wynn visits Sisko in his office under the pretense of relationship building with the emissary mm-hmm. and hopes to get him to address the assembly by her side. So this is, he recognizes immediately that she's doing some electioneering. Yeah, she's trying to get that Sisko And he bump. says, I'll do that with you next week, no problem. That's right. Whether or not you win, we can go and talk about building a relationship in front of the Vedic Assembly, but not right now before the election. I don't want to comey this shit up. <laughs> That's right. He's going to wish he had. Odo calls Kira and tells her that Wynn has granted Kubis sanctuary on Bajor. And Kira refuses to let her leave until she finds out why. I, 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 I know we're only halfway through the description, but I don't understand Kai Wynn's powers. I mean Vedic Wynn. Vedic Wynn. Vedic Wynn. She has the authority to grant this... Broad power. ...known and acknowledged traitor who was sentenced to exile sanctuary. It's... Okay. Yeah. This is why you need the separation of church and state. Yep. Basically. Uh, Odo reveals that Wynn used his terminal, because she's not smart, to look up the records on another collaborator. It's that guy Prylar Beck. Mm Mm-hmm. That Baral's been seeing in his visions, but they don't know that. And they connect it to the Kendra Valley Massacre. But before they can connect all of the dots, uh, Vedic Wen herself appears and asks Kira to let her leave. Uh, I saw on YouTube Kendra Valley Massacre is an inside job. Uh, well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see whether the Kendra Valley Massacre is an inside job. Kendra Valley sounds like it should be the name of a lesser college in Kentucky or something, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Um, maybe that's where Prylar Beck plays. He's, he's a, but to me, he feels like a punter. So, uh, Kira's not going to let Kubis leave uh, un, until Wynn tells her that 
Kubis is planning to speak to the Vedic Assembly and reveal that Prilar Beck's superior, Vedic Barail, was responsible for the massacre. Bum, bum, bum. Kira, of course, doesn't believe this, but it she's a little troubled, and uh, Vedic Win, I think, makes the smart political decision to just say, you know what, you investigate it. So she must believe Kubis. Oh yeah, she's gone through the evidence or whatever. Right. Uh, so now it's on Kira to investigate this. So of course she goes to Barail to ask for an explanation. He says he was there to hear Prylerbeck's confession, the details of which are privileged. Even though he's dead. Even though he's dead. <clears throat> so Odo starts to work on any kind of records to find this whole thing. Um, Kira's pretty shaken. It turns out that the relevant records on Bajor have been sealed by some Vedic. Mm. Uh, so Odo and Kira go to Quark to ask him to do a criminal crime. <laughs> they know uh, they know where to go. Uh, which uh, he he does, and as he does it, they Odo walks Kira over to where Prylarbeck hanged himself <laughs> and says, you know... Prylor Beck always seemed like a good guy. <laughs> I don't know what the deal was here. Yeah. I'm just thinking about it now, I guess. Yeah. So Cork calls him in and says, uh, he's unsealed it, but the messages were erased. And so now it's o- O'Brien's problem. He's going to have to figure out who erased them. Turns out it's Barile. Yeah, don't worry. O'Brien uses some CSI bullshit that they, for some reason, yeah. waste our time with. Yes. Uh, we see Boral have a third vision in which he kisses Vedic Win, mm. and Kira kills him with a dagger. It's getting real. So I don't know what the prophets are up to. It's getting really right real inside those orbs. Yeah. And Kira shows up just as he closes the arc, and here's their, they have a big conversation. Boral tells her that he gave up the rebel encampment in the Kendra Valley to prevent the Cardassians from raising all of the villages in the area. Mm-hmm. So he sacrificed these 43 rebels to save a thousand civilians or something like that. Yeah. He withdraws his name from the election. Uh, Vedic Wynn is pretty smug about the whole thing with Kira. Yeah, she won. But Kira still has nagging doubts about this whole thing. And she asks O'Brien to help her, etc. She ends up confronting the newly crowned uh, Kai Wynn. Uh, and then she goes to talk to Barile and she tells him she knows there's no way he ordered Beck to reveal the location because he was on a secret private retreat in the middle of war-ravaged Bajor. Yeah, of course. A lot of time for vacation if you're a Vedic. And she guesses that the real collaborator and the person he's protecting is Kaiopaka, who sacrificed her own son to save a thousand innocents. Mm-hmm. So the reasons are all the same. They just weren't his. They were Kaiopaka's. Right. But that's enough to change it in Kira's mind, I guess. Mm-hmm. She kisses Barail, and uh, Barail tells her, don't worry about now Kai win. She's going to lead them down paths she cannot even possibly imagine. Because yeah. that's how he interpreted his dumb prophecies. Matthew, what's this episode about? This was really a mystery show. Like, that was the main thing. It was a whodunit. And the take I have is just a piece of the mystery. And one they didn't really focus on all that much. It could have been about your responsibility to the truth versus loyalty, like for Kira. Like, oh, I love this guy. It couldn't be him, but I got to investigate it or whatever. But, yeah, but Kira never expresses doubt about that <clears throat> idea. Yeah. But what I came up with was what makes a traitor is there room for compromise in that judgment. Because of all the reasoning behind what happens. Uh, at the Kendra Valley Massacre. Um, 
again, if they'd actually spent time on this take, I would have given it more points. It's a five. Yeah. Uh, I am with you on this. I wrote even odious acts may turn out to have noble motives underlying them. Mm-hmm. Um, we see some different versions of collaboration here. We see Kubis Oak. Yep. His collaboration was self-motivated. Mm-hmm. The uh, Burial version of the Kendra Valley story seems to be... It's not self-motivated, but I think it doesn't sit right with Kira because it seems a little calculating. Yeah. Like, I knowingly killed off 40-whatever people. He's just weighing lives, right? And then there's the Opaka version, and the added personal sacrifice element of that seems to satisfy Kira. Yeah. Like, now she's making a hard choice, etc., so it's not just some kind of calculus. All of those are collaboration, and only the motives are different. Right. Um, I think that it is a four. uh, It's not not a sci-fi take. So, you know, there are, there are questions about this that come from real wars, like, mm-hmm. did Churchill let a town get bombed to prevent knowledge that he'd broken a code? Stuff like that. Mm. You know? Babylon 5 got into that. Yeah, Babylon 5 did some of that stuff, right? Yeah. So, it's the, there's no you don't have to do sci-fi to do this, but <clears throat> it's fine. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just, it's a little mild. Yeah. Uh, execution. Uh, I'm a four on execution as well. Okay. I don't think that the visions are particularly effective as storytelling here. No. They reintroduce Opaka. So that helps in case... It has been a while since we've seen Opaka. They talk about her a lot in this one. Yes. So that may... The the other stuff is the stuff that happens in the visions might help to explain why Barile's not so upset about kai win yeah because it's like you know opaka appears in the vision and tells him it's a following her path is going to be very difficult or something like that or it's a very narrow path and hard to follow or something like that mm-hmm. so when whatever you know the snake is, is a gift the noose is a gift etc the visions are telling him it's okay that he's not the kai or something like that right yeah even though he appears as the kai in two of the three <laughs> right um the trouble is that the story here is a Kira story and not a Burial story. Yeah. <clears throat> so Burial's visions are not super important. It's also never clear to me in this episode how much of this uh, Wynne has orchestrated. Yes. and it, Or if she's just really good at playing it by ear. Because there's that dumb look that Kubis Oak gives her in the beginning. Mm-hmm. But it's like, how much of this did she know? Because if she knew that this was about to drop into her lap, I don't think she would have wasted time with the Cisco scene. Yeah, maybe that was just an extra, like, while I'm here, in case... That's her backup plan? Yeah, in case this plot doesn't go that well, maybe I can get the Cisco bump with the assembly or whatever. But, yeah. So it just leaves, the whole thing is unclear how much of this... Uh, now Kai Wynn has orchestrated. So a couple of weaknesses, I think it's about a four overall. Yeah. Uh, I thought it would have been a more effective... I'm also a four, by the way. I thought it would have been more effective if Burial had been the collaborator after all, because then you could have really got into some shit with Kira and him. Yep. Um, so it's lessened a little bit that it's Opaka, and that's convenient because she's dead and stranded on some faraway world with, um, with Mike from Breaking Bad. 
Um, <laughs> right. And what do you? What, how do you? Just remember? drawn ducks. Just drawn ducks the whole time. Yeah, um, uh, they should have kept Ryle as the traitor and then spent time dissecting what what his decisions were about. Um, yeah, he had good reasons. Let's get into it. Anyway, they didn't have the Gramba, so they uh, they made it opaca. Um, what is all the stuff about these visions where he? F- it seems like he feels unworthy to be Kai. But, like, yeah. in the end, he didn't actually do anything, and he knows it. He's covering for Opaka. So the the big problem is the visions are treated and presented as if they were dreams. Yeah. But the every time we've seen someone use the orb, they are getting direct communication from the prophets. Yeah. So. What are the prophets up to? What do they do in here? <laughs> what do they want? Why... Like, when we saw Dax in Avedic's robes, in Kira's weird vision... That was some future stuff. Right. You know what I mean? Like, it seemed like the prophets. It didn't seem like a dumb dream that Kira was having. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe they were talking to the dumb prophets. I mean, the defining prophet scene is Sisko talking to the wormhole aliens, where they seem very alien. Yeah. Like, they're in all of the familiar bodies, but they don't understand linear time. They don't understand a goddamn thing. Right. Yeah. So, I think that the the visions here are very problematic. Yep. And again, more of a mystery show than anything else. There were some good notes in there that they hit, but it wasn't focused enough. Um, so, it was a four for me as well. Uh, world building. Y- you got Vedic Tolena, the Vedic elections. Sorry, I mean the choosing. Yes. Uh, I guess Vedics aren't like priests. Like, they can fuck and stuff. No one seems to care. Yeah, Opaka had a kid. Yeah, they can just fuck all day. Then No one cares about that. Um, Odo didn't appear to have, like, an APB out for this old collaborator or anything. Just waited for some rando Bajoran to snag him on the promenade. Yeah, he wasn't waiting at the fucking docking port, for sure. Yeah. Again, I already asked, are the snakes on Bajor the same as the snakes on Earth? Because he didn't go, oh, God, what's that? Or, oh, <laughs> an Earth snake. Like, he just, I read about those in my history class on <laughs> Occupied Bajor. <laughs> he just kind of looks at it like, yeah, I get it. Um, uh, some stuff about how the Cardis had go-betweens with the Vedic Assembly and the Bajoran government and, and stuff. Not very much, though. Uh, some CSI gibberish from O'Brien, again, which was included for because they had to kill time or something. Uh, not a lot. To, not any real revelations. I gave it a two. Uh, I have it all the way up at a five. Oh, okay. We are very different on this. Okay. So, <clears throat> uh, regular citizens get to vote for Kai. Okay. It's not just a College of Cardinals thing. Yeah. So that's interesting. They get the Ilvian Proclamation and Exile for all collaborators. Mm, we yeah. get details about, it turns out there was an occupation government on Bajor that was rubber stamping all of these Cardassian actions. I don't think we've had that detail before. Yeah, it's true. We've most, mostly focused on the Cardassian actions. We've mostly focused on Gul Dukat, mm-hmm. frankly. And so, but the, it's like, no, the there really was a Vichy Bajor down there, you know? Yeah. Uh, like you said, the Kai can have children. I think we picked up some stuff about how the Vedic Assembly works here, too, a little bit. With the uh, their files and who can seal them. Oh, and, right. Uh, also that they can offer sanctuary and stuff like that. So. Yeah, so the powers that, if you think about them, don't make any sense, but they do apparently have. 
the, their weird governmental powers. A single Vedic can just yeah. be like, no, I uh, overruled. <laughs> I'm Vedic. So I had it as a five. I actually feel like we learned, we got something about that occupation and we got a lot about the politics of I, the I've, church. Um, I forgot about the uh, the uh, stuff with the collaborator being exiled. I, I would be willing to take it up to a three. Okay. There's some so there's noted. stuff. I'm a five on characterization also. Okay. I thought Kira's pretty good in this one. I thought Odo was better than average. Uh, Cisco has one scene, but uh, he's fine in it. He, uh, I believed that he understood what she was doing. Mm-hmm. They were good. They got to play their games together. Kai Wen is, of course, marvelously villainous. Yeah. As usual. She's, they're good villains on this show. Between her and Dukat. I know. Like... It's true. She plays it so weird. She plays it like... She doesn't care that you know she's bad. Yeah. She's still going to say the right thing so that when they're in the newspaper... You're right. And she'll say it with a smile. Like, she smiles and is very polite, even though it kind of seems like she's reading off a page. And I think that's her reading off of the Be a Good Girl page in her brain or something. Like, it's really weird. But I always I'll say it. the thing I'm supposed to say here, but um, I, you will know that I don't mean yes, it. Yes, everyone in the room knows what's really happening. A little let down, though. I feel like Baral should be a better established character by now, though. They keep bringing like, him back. How much is he a politician? How much is he a man of faith? Like, in her first appearance, you get the feeling that he is a politician. 100%. And that he aligns with Deep Space Nine because Wynn is opposed to it. Yep. And that's why he has the time of day for them at all, right? Yeah, because at first he does not. But in this one, he's troubled by visions and... Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, he's I think, going through a crisis. I think he is, has not been well characterized up until now. Yeah. And then everyone else, O'Brien, Dax, Quark, etc. Everyone's Little League and in this one. So. I agree. I actually gave it as much as a six. I see. Um, I ask a question. Is there any way to incorporate the wormhole aliens into characterization? Because I... I feel like we should try because they're going to make some wild decisions in the course of this series. Yeah, the yeah, but they have an one entity, right? Yeah, I don't know how to do it because I don't know how they work really. And again, one of my major execution problems was I don't think the visions are effective in this. Yeah. So, Uh, Barile just abuses his power to stare at orbs all day. Like, do you become yeah, a Vedic he, so you can selfishly... He's fucking bogarting that orb for sure. Yeah, so you can selfishly explore your own, like, issues with profits all day? Wynn was mad pissed when he let Kira look at that orb. Yeah. Seems to have doubts about his worthiness to be Kai. He seems different, like you said, from the political asshole from season one. Maybe his weird wooden presence makes sense now that we know some more of his backstory. Like, it's guilt or always feeling like a fake or there's something that keeps him so detached and robot right? Or maybe the actor's trash. I mean, really all he did was he heard Prylar Beck's confession. Like, he was not actually part of the Kendra Valley that's Massacre. Why I've been, I, that's why I couldn't figure out what was happening. Yeah. It's rough. Um, in fact, I have that written there. He was protecting Opaka all along, though, so now I don't know what's happening. Um, Kira has a romantic side. Maybe she's just super passionate about all things. Like a passionate personality. Yeah. But then she's like, oh, I wish you could stay longer. And he goes, okay, cool. She goes, oh, 
But like, <laughs> I only said that because I knew you weren't like not gonna stay. So you, know, you called my bluff. Are you gonna leave? Um, she's perfectly happy to spend all day on the promenade trading passive aggressive barbs with Win. Who has time oh, yeah. for this scene? She does, apparently. In real life, I would have heard the first remark out of Wynn's mouth, and I just would have said, save it, and then gone off to work, because shit has to get done. Uh, Kira is not moved by this sad old traitor sitting in front of her. Um, loves Beryl, but she has a strong sense of justice and can't let his betrayal stand, I think is where we're supposed to be at before she finds out it's Opaka. Uh, Vedic Wynn, back as a hella slimy foil. And I usually enjoy it. Yep. Uh, in this case, she knows it's time to slurp up to the emissary. Um, she teaches Kira a master fucking class in manipulation. Oh, yeah. She knows she can use Kira. That, and also that evil will always triumph over good because good is dumb. Yep. <laughs> if Kira comes to... See, if if Wynn goes to Bryle and says, I, I know you met with Prylar Beck after the massacre. Yep. That might not be anything, but if Kira goes to Beryl and says it... He gets all... That's why he leaves the race. Yeah, he gets all down in the dumps and's like, I better withdraw. Um, Cisco hasn't done much since the Maquis episode, but in this one he gets to play games with Wynn. In the end, if he had appeared with Wynn making a joint statement about joining the Federation, she'd have a hard time taking it back, so he misplayed this one. He did end up misplaying it, yeah. yeah. Um... We get, okay, some theory corner here. First, we get some Odo pining for Kira stuff. Which, oh, right. I didn't even mention that. That's like, that's the best Odo scene. Yeah, we get, it's played fairly sensitively. Like, he's, she's like, I think I love him. And Odo, like, is like, oh. He's uh, just quiet for a second. Why? And then he's like, plays it off like, oh, I was, I was just wondering, wondering when, when you would know. Yeah, when you were going to come around on it. Um, It could have been it could have been a little bit more subtle, but these guys aren't great at trusting the audience in general, so it's actually, no. on a curve, it's good work. Yeah, exactly. It's subtle for Deep Space Nine. And then I had Theory Corner. Does he change his mind about the guy who seemed like a good guy and killed himself, and about Beryl maybe being guilty after she says she loves him? Maybe. Cause he probably next, doesn't know that's what's happening. In the next scene, he's like, actually, Beryl could have did this. <laughs> You know? <laughs> Maybe it was Baral. It's like, suddenly it's back in play. Uh, overall, I had it as a, a six. Give me them quick hitters. I know you got them. Uh, Bajor's most eligible carved statue, Vedic Baral, makes an appearance. Um, not a fan of Kira's sex bedhead. I don't want <laughs> it here. Please save it for another property, Paramount. Yeah. Um, well, it's not like you like it in Enterprise either. No, another non-Star Trek property would be great. Oh, I see. Just Paramount. I see keep it saying. in your fucking Days of Thunder, or whatever, it's, whatever they're called. Um, you notice everyone has that fake ass '90s hair color going on that looks like copper under studio lights. Yes, like how everyone in the '90s had that exact hair dye. Well, that's what they're all working with in this too. Uh, everyone seems to miss Opaka, but not enough to figure out a way to save her. <laughs> Well, Matthew, that planet's surrounded by satellites, so... I mean, I get it, but I feel like that's the kind so... of thing Bashir would really be after. Think of what a great paper that would make. About how I brought this whole colony back from the dead. Yeah. Uh, I already said Kuba's... They'd probably just get attacked by the Herc, so it's fine. That's right, in STO. 
I already said Kubis Oak defensive end South Carolina. Uh, first Dak sighting in a while, too. She only has the Little League line, but yeah. she hasn't been in it at all. That's it. She's just like, oh, why are you down at your slice about Vedic Burrile? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I said, oh, no, a dream sequence. Yeah. I guess technically it's a vision from an orb. Not much better. Is that Iridian cargo ship supposed to be Burrile's? That's right. Because they show, they spent a lot of time showing that ship docked up there and then cut, smash cut to Vedic Burrile. I think that is his cruiser. Vedic Wind doesn't know the difference between imply and infer. Mm. Or, of course, whoever wrote this didn't. Yeah. And then, uh, and then I got super excited to see Kyle Paca, and then I stopped taking notes. <laughs> I gave okay. Best Actor to Odo after Kira's declaration, mm-hmm. and Worst Actor to Prylar Beck. Yeah, he wasn't that great in his uh, vision appearances. Matthew, the results are in. Oh boy, how did we do? Did we ace it? It's uh, not a good week. I will say that it is a three-way tie for the worst week in terms of premise. Yeah. And an outright worst week in terms of execution. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, that's bad. Uh, it is only the second worst week for overall scores behind week 27, the alternative factor where silence has least necessary evil resistance and carbon creek. Those did suck. Yeah. Now, in fifth place with 15 points. Okay. Enterprise, the crossing. Oh, they're back to their uh, old familiar position of last place. It had been a while for them. 15 is a bad number of points for an episode to get total. It's not good. Total among both parties. They got a one on premise and two on execution. That's uh, not going to do it. However, not doing much better is Voyager in fourth place with 17 total points. They got a zero in premise and a one on execution. (laughs) Real stinker. Real stinker of an episode. And frankly, not that much better in third place with 20 points. Mm. TOS with Wolf in the Fold. I didn't think there could be a worse episode than that, but two in the same week were worse. Two in the same week were worse than that. (laughs) TOS got off pretty light uh, in terms of that this week. Mm. Uh, Second place with a below average 28 points. Uh, 28 points was the loser. Oh no, I guess it hasn't. 28 may, may have never been a loser, but at 28 is very bad. Yeah, it's not good. TNG up the long ladder. This got a lot of points because we found it delightful, <laughs> even though it's a very bad and stupid episode. I gave it as much as 17, so I'm really... You, gave, you did give it 17. I'm the to blame, points. I think, in this case. Uh, we had a different order. I actually had Wolf in the Fold above this, and you had uh, Wolf in the Fold last. I hated it, for sure. Yeah. Uh, that means the winner... Uh, with their ninth win now. Wow. Deep Space Nine, the collaborator, only 36 points. Not a great win. No. But a win is a win. We were fairly even on it. We both gave it 18. Yep. And, um, well, they are closing ranks. At least in wins, they are. Yeah, it stands at uh, 16 for TOS. Been a while since they nailed one. Mm-hmm. Uh, 14 for the next generation. Also haven't been crushing it lately. No, no, we knew the end of season two was going to be lame for them, though. Uh, Nine for DS9. That's surprising. And two apiece for Voyager and Enterprise. Actually, the longer we go on this stretch of uh, Next Generation, the more surprised I am it wasn't canceled after two seasons. (laughs) Because it's like, what would make someone want to reinvest in this project? Yeah, points-wise, TNG is well in the lead. 
Yeah. They have a 44-point margin over TOS. It's more than a point and, a week. Uh, DS9 is about 100 points behind TOS. But closing. And then Voyager's about 150 points behind DS9. Not So closing. DS9 is closer to that top group than they are to the bottom group right now. Yeah, they've been doing okay, and TOS has very much not been. Voyager has a 14-point lead over Enterprise, um, but both of them are averaging... Uh, Voyager's averaging 28 points an episode, so that's like two 14s, which is pretty bad, and Enterprise is a little below it, just under 28 points, so yeah. real close now. They, I, feel, I get the feeling they're going to be trading that last place spot for a while, just <laughs> kind of back and forth. You know, it could be. Voyager has had a string of real stinkers, and Enterprise has not been able to capitalize. It's been a number of weeks now since Enterprise overtook Voyager yeah. um, for fourth place again. Uh, for, sorry, for fifth place. So yep. uh, we'll see next week. We've got um, one goofy classic mm. and I don't really know how to describe the rest. TOS, we are watching The Trouble with Tribbles. Yeah. Uh, we'll see one of those three Klingons. I don't forget if it's Kang or Kor, but one of them's in Trouble with Tribbles, I think. Right. We're watching Manhunt. Oh, boy. That's a Luwax on a Troy episode. That's not great. God damn it. For everybody. Two. We're watching uh, Tribunal. I remember that one. That's an O'Brien joint. Oh. Oops. Is he put on trial for something? Yeah, I think it's one where the Cardassians put him on trial or whatever. Ah, cool. Ain't gonna be good. Yeah, well, we'll see. Power uh, Voyager has an episode called The Shoot. As in, that's where the poop is coming out of. This is yep. the poop shoot. Not good. And uh, for Enterprise, we are watching Judgment, which I think is a Klingon episode, isn't it? I don't know. I didn't see the thumbnail, but I was actually hoping they were going to do another fake trial on somebody. You know, like they were going to bring in <laughs> T-Pole and be like, she's in charge here. They're going to play good cop, bad cop on somebody? Where they were going to break all of the rules of due process again. That's what you should watch if you're playing along. Uh, ben didn't get his notes in for this week, but uh, feel free to send notes again uh, next time or not. You're not eliminated, Ben. You can keep playing. It's uh, maybe cut about 10 minutes off of the time we took to record this dumb episode. So. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we're, we're, we're doing good on time. Uh, and then next week will be a mailbag. We don't have any projects going on right now. I don't know if you plan to introduce one or not. but uh, might... I'm not. We're not ready to introduce one next week. So we'll just uh, do a mailbag, probably do the HAP, sports roundup, stuff like that. Yeah, it's been a while. Also, uh, I don't know if she'll have it in in time, but Shannon has actually been reading The Indian in the Cupboard. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, I look forward to a book report on that. So welcome to our new series. We make Shannon do a book report. Do a book report on something we read in elementary school or middle school or whatever. Uh, so far, her notes are, it's surprising that they say Red Indian over and over. <laughs> yeah, and it's shocking to hear that. Except when yeah. Chakotay says it, because, you know, he's allowed to say stuff like that. Uh, only Indian in the galaxy who can't make a fire with two sticks. He was very ashamed that he was bad at camping. I'm not a good Indian. All right, everybody. Uh, peace out. You can send us the things at Brother Date, and then um, and then go to brotherdate.com, and then has anyone ever gone there? Who knows? And uh, I don't know the iTunes as well. And then we'll see you later. This uh, some hired gun came in. Yeah, and I, I wrote this old episode. 
uh, for Jag, and no one wanted it, but I think we could adapt it. Please subscribe.